Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. It is a bitterly cold day out there. If you haven't ventured outside the door today and you are heading out anywhere, wrap up warm and just be careful because there's some icy stretches on roads and on footpaths. And Met Aaron are telling us that wintry showers and sporadic thunderstorms look set to hit the country. No real respite from the adverse weather after the storm at the weekend, even though I think we here in Cork didn't get the storm as bad as was predicted. Thanks be to God. But Met Aaron have issued this status yellow snow and ice warning for the entire country. That's in place at the, at the moment. The forecaster are warning of isolated thunderstorms followed by long spells of rain, sleet and snow. Now northern areas are going to get worse than us here in the south so maybe it won't be too bad but uh, temperatures certainly quite low and it is going to be bitterly cold for the next uh, few days. And then th- this morning what popped up on one of my social media feeds and you know, the memories that that come up. It was actually two years ago uh, today that we were battling Storm Emma. Remember the amount of snow that came in with Storm Emma and actually it was on this date. It was a Friday, the 2nd of March was uh, two years ago and it was the day I ended up having to walk to work. You couldn't, there wasn't a car out and actually uh, John Paul had stayed in a hotel in Mallow on the previous night and uh, he had made it into work and then I walked in and I remember I arrived and he was filming uh, Colin was doing the breakfast show at the time and they were filming me walking up here to the studio and I, do, I looked like a snowman <laughs> I got out of a, a blizzard I was actually covered in snow so that was two years ago we were battling that snow, storm Emma so like nothing as bad as it was two years ago but certainly bitterly cold so do uh, look out mind yourself if you're heading out and check in on any elderly neighbours or friends just to try and avoid going out I mean there's that nice watery sun there at the moment so hopefully we will get a bit of a, of a defrost but some, some areas in sheltered areas and footpaths certainly can be quite icy in sheltered areas so you do need to be careful uh, please. Now I already see some texts coming in and emails coming in on the coronavirus and I'm not going to be um, avoiding them. I will get back uh, to them. Uh, I promise you that because of course we are doing a piece today on the coronavirus and it is with smallies in mind. You younger children, primary school children and younger. We had some calls in from parents last week when we were discussing the coronavirus 
and we had some calls in from parents who were saying that their children are starting to talk about it because everywhere you go people seem to be talking about the coronavirus. I was out at the weekend and uh, people were talking about it. You know, in shops you can certainly see it inside if you're in any chemist shops because you can't get one of the masks for love and money even though all the experts are saying the masks are a waste of time. Lots of people buying hand gel. That's it. There's nothing wrong with that, but shops are running out of hand gel. They turn on the TV every night on the news. It's all about the coronavirus. We're talking about it on the radio. It's on every news uh, bulletin. And young children are just picked. They pick up little bits out of it and they're and they can be they can pick up the wrong bits. You know what I mean? They're hearing that people are dying from the coronavirus. They're hearing that older people are dying from the coronavirus. And I know we had one woman uh, who contacted us to say her little one who's about seven has become just totally obsessed with the coronavirus, wants to be listening to every single news bulletin and then came to her last week and was saying, is granddad going to die if he gets the coronavirus? And she realised how upset this little one was and isn't actually sleeping properly. So we said we would bring on a parenting expert just it's how to talk to children. I mean, we, you, you don't want to avoid it. You don't want to say, oh, it's nothing for you to worry about there. Don't worry about it. Forget about that. That's nothing. That's the worst thing I, can, I, I think you can do. It's the same with all of us. You know, give us the information. It's, it's like with the HSE and they, they do a daily up, update telling people what's going on. You know, when the news broke that there was coronavirus in the, in the it's a secondary school pupil. We knew that there had been, we knew coronavirus was going to come. Let's be honest. We knew we were going to completely avoid it. We had the case in Belfast and then we knew there was going to be one in the Republic and there was. And it turns out that it's a secondary school pupil from uh, Dublin, first person in the Republic to test positive for the coronavirus. He was one of the young lads who would have been away on the midterm break. There was a number of schools went to northern Italy on skiing holiday, a skiing trip for midterm and I think there was a school wasn't there in Cork were due to fly out on Saturday night but they cancelled think probably a sensible thing to do but now that the coronavirus is here in the country it's all it's still all about containment but young children are asking questions and you know it's a lot of it I suppose is to do with it's how you phrase it and what do you say to young people so as I say we have a parenting expert who will be joining us on the programme a little bit later on answering if you have any particular questions and we will come back to the coronavirus as I say a little bit later on but that's one particular interview we're doing today so if you have a question with regard to that get it into us 1850 and a million miles away from the coronavirus already getting whatsapps and texts and calls in about Dancing with the Stars last night we lost Mary Kennedy much loved Mary Kennedy she did a wonderful cha 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 she probably did her best dance on Dancing with the Stars last night but not good enough and I think she knows it herself she wasn't one of the greatest dancers and of course what we're getting calls in about today saying is it time for Father Ray to step down from Dancing with the Stars you know surely he himself knows this is what one listener is saying surely Father Ray himself knows that he's not one of the greatest dancers we are we have lost good dancers who never should have gone and yet Father Ray is still there while he's a great crack and it's good that he decided to take part is it now time for Father Ray to simply bow out and say that he won't go into next week's uh, competition I, uh, I don't know whether Father Ray is going to do that. While, he's, while, you, while you're right, I think he will, he will say himself that he isn't uh, the greatest uh, dancer. But certainly after the performance last night when he was asked, was he happy? He said, yeah, I was happy. He said, I know I lost it, but I just said I had to get it back on track. He still seems to be quite confident that he's improving uh, week on week. So I don't know whether he, deep in his heart, 
believes that he's not the greatest dancer and that he doesn't deserve to be there. He's getting the votes. I suppose that's how he's seeing it. He's not getting the votes from the judge. If it went down to a dance-off, I think even last night, if it went down to a dance-off between Father Ray and Mary, my instinct would be, judging by, judging by what the judges have said, to date, I think Father Ray would have gone, but the general public are liking what they're seeing and they're voting for him. And they're obviously voting for him in huge numbers because he has never, ever got to the dance off at any stage. I don't know what percentage of votes he is receiving each night. Maybe he's only scraping in every week. I don't know. Maybe he's the top of the pile. Maybe he's getting the biggest number of public votes. And we'll only know that when we get to the final, if he ends up lifting the the glitter ball. But we have one listener who feels he should bow bow out. Now, I know Simon had Father Ray on the programme last Friday and he certainly had a lot of fans here in Cork. A lot of people were delighted to see him take part in this competition. He certainly gained a lot of fans and probably a lot of votes when he decided to go public last week and the week before on the nasty commentary that he had received from people and people, the general public, I think, didn't like that. They didn't like to see that almost it was like Father Ray was being picked on just because he was a priest, just because he decided to get involved in this competition. And people, some people were very, very nasty to him and that's just not nice. So I think through that, he gained fans. He gained people who'd never watched the programme saying, God, I better watch this programme, see what this priest is up to and watch it. But I certainly think he also gained an extra few votes out of it as well. Anyway, but you you absolutely have a right to your view. Your view being, but as I say, don't know how many other people will agree with you should Father Ray Kelly because he has to be able to see himself. But then does he see it himself that he isn't the best dancer left in the competition should he step down from the competition is what this listener is, is saying to give not to give the other dancers a chance but because it is a dance at the end of the day it is a dancing competition but I think you know when I was talking with Simon about this in the last hour because I saw Simon took to Twitter last night because Twitter was alive with people saying it's ridiculous why is Father Ray getting all these votes it's crazy and people were saying he shouldn't be in the competition and he certainly shouldn't have lasted this long in the competition um, and even Simon our own Simon was almost defending it saying you know it's it's light entertainment that's what it is it's a, a programme on a Sunday night that's on at half six uh, until about half eight so it's a programme for all of the family so it is it's entertainment and people for the Ray is obviously entertaining people he has to say he mightn't you know he might never win a ballroom an official ballroom dancing competition but this is a ballroom dancing competition he might win this one for sure your thoughts welcomed on that 1850-333-103 and I want to before I get into the rest of what's coming up on the programme this morning here's an email that we received from am I allowed to read out this gentleman's name I am he doesn't say anything on it but don't call out his name um, and this came in to us on, when did this arrive? It arrived on uh, Saturday, Saturday afternoon. Uh, um, hi Patricia, um, I'm a man from West Cork and I am so angry. I simply have to tell someone about what happened to me last Friday, just gone. And I know you're a great listener. I needed to travel to Dublin on Friday morning. So myself and my partner booked the train from Kent Station to Houston Station. That was all fine. We got a return ticket as we were coming back on Friday. We were just up there for a day trip, get the appointment over and done with and head back to Cork. However, to our horror, we boarded the three o'clock train 
out of Houston Station back to Kent Station in Cork. When we got on the train, people were already seated. We then started looking for seating. And as we were starting to look, the train suddenly took off very suddenly. There were so many people standing as there was sitting. Every seat in every carriage was full. And we ended up standing all the way back to Kent Station. And by the way, we were not the only ones left standing. You simply could not move because there was no room to turn around. Every walkway was full. Now, my question is, how can Irish Rail get away with selling so many tickets when so little seats are provided? What has the Irish people come to? Are they now so greedy? We paid for our tickets the same as everybody else, but we did not get a seat. And believe me, those train tickets are not cheap. Where does health and safety come into all of this? We need to go to Dublin again next week. But I'm telling you now, it won't be by train. Thank you for taking the time to read this, yours, yours truly. And that's on Joseph, one of our listeners in West uh, Cork. Now... Uh, my sympathies go out to you. It sounds like a nightmare of a journey to have to have, have travelled the whole way. Because usually you'll leave Kent Street Station and you'll start heading back. And usually at Port Leash, there'll be, in, you know, a number of people will get off and then seats will free up. Uh, is it? Is it... That is that was that very unusual that Joseph uh, and his partner ended up having to stand the whole way back to Cork. Now there are probably seats probably did free up on other carriages but because the carriage that Joseph was in was so crowded they simply couldn't move. Everyone was just wedged in and obviously everybody in that carriage and in the walkway where Joseph was standing, everybody unfortunately for Joseph everybody was heading to Cork so none of the seats became uh, available. The three o'clock train out of Dublin is that a particularly busy one and it's it sounds to me that Joseph just made that train because the fact that he said that when they got on and they were just about to start to look for seating the train pulled off so he must literally it must have been seconds away from three o'clock when he boarded now I know there would have been a, another train the following hour but should Joseph have been to, had been told you know when they were heading to the train that the train is full maybe you would be better off waiting I mean certainly if I was given the choice of standing the whole way to Cork or saying you can wait an hour and you can get on the next train I think I'd be saying okay look I'll go off and have a cup of coffee and I'll come back and I'll get to four o'clock but obviously it wasn't indicated to Joseph that this train is full and I do think Joseph makes a valid point what about health and safety God forbid if there was an accident on that train. Uh, you just, you just doesn't, it just doesn't bear thinking about. Anyway, let's, we will get on to Irish Rail, obviously, and put Joseph's points to Irish Rail, particularly on that, on the health and safety issue. And they obviously do know the number of tickets that they sell. Is there ever a situation where they say, and I don't think I've ever heard of somebody trying to get a train ticket to be told, no, sorry, there's no there's no seats available. All the train tickets uh, are gone. But of course, when you buy your train ticket, you don't always designate the train that you're going to be travelling on. And therefore, I suppose that makes it impossible for Irish Rail to 
to 100% say every single seat on the 3 o'clock is gone or every single seat on the 4 o'clock is gone. Has that happened to anybody else? Was Joseph just particularly unlucky with last Friday? Or is it every Friday the same coming out of Dublin? Is every day of the week coming out of Dublin? That afternoon train, is that 3 o'clock train always particularly busy? If you are a regular on that train, let us know. Is it always very busy? Or was it just very unusual? Was there something happening here in Cork at the weekend that was bringing a lot of people down? I don't know. 1850-333-103. And as I say, we will put, uh, we will send an email off to Irish Rail and uh, get their view on it uh, as well. Now, also on the programme this morning, urgent need for a new school development in the East Cork area. The East Cork area is an area that's under such huge pressure when it comes to secondary school uh, places. I mean, only last week or the week before I was reading on the paper a piece with a group of parents going public. Uh, there's still, a, I think it's about 100 pupils who are in sixth class at the moment, the kids that are making their confirmation and they still, here we at the start of March, they still don't have a place for secondary school in September in the East Cork area and that's a huge worry for not just for the parents but for the students as well. I mean it's a big transition from primary to secondary school and when you don't know what school you're going to and you don't know if you're going to be going with all your little friends who you've been friends with probably since you started in junior infants will you be with your friends and it's so important at that age that you have your friends with you so it's a real real worry for a lot of families in the East Cork uh, area. We know that there are plans by the HSE to build and open a new elective hospital for Cork. I mean the whole idea is if we build a new elective hospital it will take pressure off the likes of the CUH and the Mercy Hospital. Well we're hearing a call from North Cork councillors that the HSE should consider locating that new elective hospital in the grounds of Mallow Hospital. It's a fine-sized campus uh, up there. Is it not something that the HSE could at least look at? Just, you know, do a feasibility study on it, see what land is there, what could be put in place, would it be cheaper to build, even if it was the same price? Would it be better for patients, patient outcome? Would it make the experience for patients easier? They wouldn't be travelling in and out of the city, for for example. So we'll hear, we'll hear a call. It's coming from North Cork uh, councillors. And then an environmental campaign to plant trees to, to try to help combat climate change. And it is Monday. So that means Annelise Drussell. Uh, will join us from the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic and Elise will offer nutritional advice uh, after half past 12 today. A number of people supporting Father Ray on Dancing with the Stars. Noreen in Mitchellstown says, well done to Father Ray Kelly. He has the courage to go out there and dance on live TV. Our family could not wait for him to come on the telly last night and I voted for him and I voted for him every week. I hope he wins. That's from Noreen in uh, Mitchellstown and there were a number of texts in as well saying um, Hi Trish I agree with Simon on The Breakfast Show 100% we all knew that Father Ray or we all know that Father Ray isn't the best dancer in the world but he's doing his best like all the other dancers he also gives us entertainment and I for one hope he goes all the way great show that's from Tina in Cove thanks Tina Tim in Yall says Father Ray should not bow out Come on, as long as he's getting the votes, he should stay in the competition. This, at the end of the day, is entertainment and nothing more. Why should people be so negative about Father Ray? Come on now, get off the stage. 
<laughs> says Tim and he's not shouting get off the stage to Ray he's shouting get off the stage to the listener who thought that Father Ray should do the honourable thing was mentioned and bow out and say look I'm not the best dancer and it's unfair to everybody else I'm getting all the votes and that he should bow up as I say I don't know if Father Ray uh, would be agreeing with you on that uh, Eddie says keep her lit <laughs> Father Ray <laughs> a number of other people are saying the same thing he's absolutely great he's a treat he makes me smile every week I hope he goes all the way somebody says I have a funny feeling Father Ray is going to win it uh, let's wait and see ok thank you for that 1850 333 103 and Margaret was on St. Patricia any news on the condition of the NAD road I have an appointment in uh, CUH says Margaret has anybody been on the NAD road this morning what are weather conditions like uh, still um, I, I know we were getting earlier calls, particularly on the county bounds, that there were quite treacherous conditions in some areas. But the temperatures have gone up a little bit. I mean, well, not by much, but they're up at four degrees. So there is a, a bit of a, a thaw there. But has anybody been on the NAD road, say, in the last hour? Can you let Margaret know before she heads out on her appointment to uh, CUH? 1850 We're going to take a break and we are back uh, discussing the need for a new school development in East Cork. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie Exile Mach Quintanania is Farlin. Shot eight thrower C103 Air Kirkig. Bunich on Cork Public Museum at Bork Big Garrett, Sivlian Ochtiog at the Hadakulig, Unta Special at Guina All in Dungahish. Lagan the museum shall beam Erendoch the Winning Le Kirkig Marvala Mount Eshach. Agas Horodian, Godon Hazar Haladiani, a Dahulti, a Dinahart er Allah on Valle, Todian Tonan Homa on Egypt Orsa, Agas on Reg. Tirshir Erend Star Egan Public Museum, Agas Winsultas Cat. Now up to 100 sixth class pupils in East Cork still don't have an offer of a school place for next September highlighting the need for extra school capacity in the area. Recently elected Fianna Fáil TD for Cork East Deputy James O'Connor says this is now there is now an urgent need for the Carrick Tool School development uh, to go ahead and James uh, joins me good morning to you James good morning Patricia and, and you're welcome to the programme now by way of background here wasn't this school proposal for Carrick Tool wasn't that first highlighted back in 2012 that's right Patricia so it was first highlighted in 2012 uh, under what's called a, a rapid bill project um, so, unfortunately, we're in a situation now in 2020 where it's still not built. You know, just to give people an idea of what this project was, it was the single biggest project uh, at the time that was ever going to be undertaken by the Department of Education. The spend was about £38 million, and the plan was to provide one campus for two primary schools and a secondary school, uh, and, and one secondary school. But, uh, unfortunately, then what happened is that, look, we had a series of, of blunders and setbacks, uh, and they've caused major problems for, for the development of the Tree School campus in Carrie Tool. And, and sadly, Patricia, that has caused uh, a major part of the problem we're now in, where, where, as described by yourself, there, there is about 100 children um, that, that now don't have a secondary school place uh, come August, late August. Yeah, and you know, and what, what always frustrates me about stories like this, I mean, those children, the majority of those children would have started uh, school 
eight years ago. They would have started in junior inference, gone right the way up along. So it wasn't that these children have suddenly appeared and need a school place. That's right. And, you know, if you look at Carrick Tuhill itself, look, it's not only one of the fastest growing towns in the county, but it's actually one of the fastest growing towns in the country. And these three new schools, the two primary and one secondary, they're vital uh, for the area. Now, they do exist, uh, they're, they're, but they're not in, a, in, a, in an ideal situation at present. Uh, look, uh, the, the community college is currently occupying a former office block and it was forced to install prefabs, uh, I suppose, amid delays with the preschool campus and uh, the, the primary schools as well are heavily reliant on prefabs. You know, some people might be familiar driving along the N25. If you look to your left, you will see, uh, see the prefabs uh, on the road heading towards Waterford. Uh, but, you know, I suppose, like, the reason these setbacks happened is because there was a litany of errors um, from the point of view of the Department of Education when it lodged the planning with Cork County Council. You know, it was absolute madness in hindsight when you look back at the fact now that, that the site notice actually contained no details of an environmental impact assessment uh, or where it could be viewed. You know, there were serious issues regarding flooding uh, and even traffic management. You know, so this would, would, would have been one of the largest school, school um, complexes in the country, Patricia. Uh, and from the traffic man- management aspect of it was, was extraordinarily poor. You know, the number of, tra- of parking spaces uh, and the building square footage did not reflect the number of students and pupils um, uh, that were going to uh, and staff members that were going to be using this facility. And there was there was a massive number of, of discrepancies in the planning. And, you know, and wh- looking, where's where's planning at now? I mean, has planning finally been approved? Uh, not, not, not yet. So that's what we're hoping that we're going to achieve in the next week. Okay. So from my perspective as a new TD, what I'm saying is that if there's anything else goes wrong with this, that the officials that are responsible should be hauled into the Public Accounts Committee and the Education Committee in the Dáil so they can be held accountable for what has gone on here. And, you know, as an opposition, uh, I suppose, uh, as an opposition TD at present, we're, look, we're awaiting the formation. Well, you don't, you don't, you can't say that yet. We can't say that, yes, but uh, it, 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 at the present, you know, from, from my own capacity, and what I can do is that, 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 that that's what I'm saying to the Department of Education, you know, so it, it, that they have to, there has to be accountability. There is so much public money involved here. It's completely and utterly unacceptable. And I don't think that people can get away with what went on here. Um, it, it, it's sinful, it's wrong, and it's, like, there's, there's people out there. I've met people on the doors, Patricia, parents who were actually crying, you know, um, over this, and there was... Uh, uh, look, a number of different uh, groups at the minister that are working on this. I'm working with them. Uh, the, East Cork, uh, the East Cork School Crisis Group, I met with them during the week. And they're very concerned. And the, the, the pressure really is, is not only in Carrie Tuval. There's parents who are in Cove and in Middleton as well uh, that are also in a very bad situation. And they're all reliant on, on, on those three areas working together. By the way, when you mentioned Middleton, what's what's the update on the extension at St Coleman's in in Middleton? My that was one of the ones that the salmon, when the contractor salmon um, went into examinership, wasn't it? That they were affected by that. My understanding there was there, look, there was an important announcement there last week on that that that, that works will get underway quite shortly. Okay. And there was a huge delay there, uh, unfortunately, due to the contractor as you, as you stated. Uh, that's going to help to relieve the, the, the capacity issues to some degree. Uh, but what we are expecting, I think that it, it should be announced during the week that there'll be an expansion of the capacity currently uh, being able to hold in or that they're currently able to, to hold in Carrick Tuval. Um, but if you look at Middleton, and it's not just St. Colman, uh, for parents then that are throughout the eastern side of the Corky's constituency, um, they're also in, in a serious situation. There's, I've been chatting to parents in Castle Martyr, in Mogili. Uh, and throughout the rural areas as well. And, you know, going to Carrie Tool for them is not an option. Middleton is their local town. 
and that's where they want to send their kids to school. And at present, and if you look at St. Mary's and the CBS in Middleton and 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 St. Holmes as well, a lot of parents there, some are actually being forced to send their kids to private school. Uh, and I actually encountered one or two parents, and they weren't in a position to afford it, but they had to do it anyway. They made enormous sacrifices. Um, so that's just how bad it has got, got, it's gone at this stage, you know. And, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier when, when I was teeing up that you were coming on, I mean, the stress levels for the young students uh, as well, you know, that transition from primary to secondary can be a difficult enough time for, you know, what are 12 going on 13-year-olds. And to have this added worry of not knowing where they're going to be in school in September, that's, that, you know, that's beyond cruel. It's just not fair on them. It's not, and we shouldn't. We shouldn't be here, you know. I look. I did promise Patricia that it was going to be my main priority if I was elected to the Dáil. You know, I've had some success in working at other projects so far when I was a county councillor, and I'm just going to focus in on this. And I, I think realistically, for people who are at home listening, I think in the space of 18 months that we can we can obtain serious progress on it if the TDs and the constituency, if we all work together to try and get this over the line. But uh, it's, it's a horrible situation uh, for for parents and for the children. And, you know, we have to do our best to resolve it. And look, as I stated to you at the start, there has to be accountability. This is an enormous project involving a lot of public money. And there's a lot of questions need to be answered regardless. But if anything else goes wrong with this, I will be seeking that the officials would be brought into the public into the public accounts committee and into the into the different relevant all committees so that questions can be answered and people can finally find out what was actually going on. Okay, and I know the Department of Education, particularly over the the hundred, uh, up to one hundred six class pupils who still don't have a place for September, um, they are saying that they're engaging uh, with the relevant parties to resolve the issue, and they say the process is ongoing with a view to ensuring every pupil has a school place for September twenty twenty, which isn't that many months away. Do you believe every student will have a place? For September 2020? At present, I don't, because some parents have been issued issued advice that they should actually be engaging in homeschooling. Um, you know, that's that's part. That's some of the advice the parents are being told now at this stage. So, if they're being, if that's being mentioned to parents at present, I cannot see a situation where they're going to be able to accommodate 100 children by September. Obviously, our hope would be that that is the case. Um, I'm going to be doing everything I can in my 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 power as, as a TD to ensure that the department look at how they're going to expand capacity in the existing secondary schools, so bringing in the temporary structures like prefabs that are needed that, to increase capacity. Because I think having having the children uh, in a school and in, whether it is in a prefab or in a classroom is better than having them being uh, ha- having them at home in a situation where they have to be homeschooled because they can't access the local schools. Some parents as well are being told that they should consider sending their children to the city. The city in itself has its own issues with capacity. Um, but look, it's, it's a dire situation, as I stated there um, to, to Patricia, about the, like the situation with parents who can't afford to send their children to, to private education I've been forced to do so. They don't yeah. want to, but it's the only and, option. And you know, sending send them into the city at the end, you know, they're only leaving primary school. They're still children. They're only 12 year olds. You know, I think that's very unfair that any parent should have to consider that. I, I, I completely agree with you. You're, you're dead right. And it's, it's, it's just, it's a saddening situation. But look, I, I'm very hopeful. I want to keep a positive, I suppose, a positive agenda on it. And we'll tr- try and do our utmost in the next 18 months and, and the next two years to make okay. sure that come 2022, that, uh, that there'll be a significant reduction in, 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 in the current situation. And have you any update, uh, any update for us on the formation of a new government? Will your party be a part of a new government? Not, not yet. I would imagine. Look, uh, the, the worst of all outcomes, and for 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 every TD, and just, might as well be honest with people out there, is another election. I don't think the public want another election. Um, we'll have to review all op- all options out there. 
look, my own hope would be looking at the, the groupings like the Social Democrats and Labour, that they will change their mind on their position and going into government. Um, I, I don't think for the smaller the smaller parties, and look, all the parties are quite are significantly smaller than the, 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 they would have been in terms of the, the larger parties now, with the exception of Sinn Féin. But the smaller groupings that are there, the parties that have 8, 9 TDs, 10 and 11 and 12, um, they need to consider the, their options as well about going into government. You know, if, if we can have a stable outcome, the government that will be there will get five years to go out and make a difference uh, and try, try and affect change. Um, so that's going to be very important uh, as part of any any outcome in terms of government formation. Can, um, you, or see, can you see a grand coalition, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael? I wouldn't rule anything out. And, 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 and I mean anything because I, at, at present, as I said, it's just the feedback that that we're getting is that people don't want a second election. Um, you know, I do think that the, the jumping support for Sinn Féin will focus a lot of minds in Fine Gael. Uh, you know, they were originally saying that they weren't going to be engaging. They were preparing for opposition, I think was the, was the phrase that the Taoiseach mm. used. Um, but look, people want a stable government. I know myself that uh, in the constituency of Cork East, where people are in Mallor down in Yall, you know, they, they, want, they want a strong representation they want somebody in there that's going to be tackling the issues that matter to them, and I'd be very hopeful that we'll be in, that, we, that we will be in government. Um, look, I, I'd like to. I wouldn't like to be elected to five years in opposition. Um, I'm always somebody that's enjoyed get, getting stuck in in problems and trying to get them resolved and fixed. And it's very difficult to do that when you're in opposition, Patricia. Okay. All right. And those talks continue uh, this week, and I think for the next uh, few weeks. Uh, James, we leave it there. We'll talk again. Thank you for that. Thank you. And thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Cork East, Fianna Fáil, uh, Dáil Deputy James O'Connor. 1850-333-103, lines open. Cork Today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie Billy Joel is one of the world's most popular performers. Now, see him live in New York, VIP style with C103. 103. You may be right. I may be crazy. Uptown girl. She's been living in her uptown world. Only the good die young. Only the good die young. Win your way to Billy Joel in the Big Apple. Madison Square Garden on May 2nd. Stay listening to C103. Then text or WhatsApp every time Billy Joel plays. For your chance to get in the grand final. Save our number. 0862-103-103. Billy Joel in the Big Apple. With AmigoLoans.ie. Listen to win on Cork's greatest hits. C103. Now, while last week we were focused on the ongoing campaign to save Bantry Hospital, this morning we're going to turn our attention to Mallow General Hospital with a call from North Cork councillors to consider locating the proposed new elective hospital for Cork to consider locating it in Mallow. Joining me in studio, Fianna Fáil, uh, Councillor Bernard Moynihan. Good morning to you, Bernard. Morning, Patricia. Morning and, to and, listeners. And you're very welcome. Now, firstly, is there space at Mallow General Hospital campus to accommodate a new hospital? Yes, there is. Yeah. There, is. We, there is. And we, we as a councillor, we as a group in the council have put forward, discussed this at our last meeting, and I brought forward the proposal that we would have a special meeting on Friday of this week at 2.30 to prepare the case for Mallow because this is in the, the, the 2040 plan to build an elective hospital in Cork. And I believe that Mallow is the best location for that hospital because, first of all, it's central location. Second of all, most importantly, it's connectivity. 
you take with the city. You know, with Link Road, South Link and the whole lot, you can be out in Mallow in half an hour. If you have to go across the city from one side to the other, it could take you an hour with traffic Absolutely. lights and you, traffic. You, you would get to Mallow quicker than you would across, across the city. And it's, it's a train, is a train station, it's, a, it's served by train. We train station, there's new proposals for bypassing Mallow, building a, link ro- building a road from Mallow to Limerick, all that kind of stuff. And as part of that programme, I believe that we should put this elective hospital in Mallow. And for your listeners, what it means is cataracts, hips, knees, all all those type of operations. There's people travelling by buses to Belfast to get this, get these procedures done now. It's very stressful for elderly people to have to travel that distance. I think here in Cork, if we put that uh, a hospital in Mallow, that elective hospital, to carry out all that work, it'll take the pressure off CUH. It'll, it, it's, it's, and as well as that, there's a culture in Mallow, there's a culture in, in, the, in the town of Mallow, there's a caring culture, there's generations of people who've worked in the hospital in Mallow, worked in different capacities, either, you know, a diff, across the range, caretakers, straight through to doctors, surgeons, so forth. And there's 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 a whole rake load of people, even back as far as Barry Desmond, Rock Chapel, who have qualifications, who can maybe, maybe are in Australia, whatever, who could work in this elective hospital. Mm. It would also reduce our carbon footprint because, you know, the train and, the, you know, it's reducing the track. Like, Mallow is in a very, very central location. Crossroads of Munster. Crossroads of Munster. And at the moment, what sites are the HSC looking at? Well, I think the the main site we're in competition with, like, is the site in Glenmire. That is that is being looked at very positively by the by the HSE. We have written to the minister, the current minister, Minister Harris, on this matter. We have got a letter back saying he's dealing with it. I understand there's going to be a change of government very soon. Government formation is ongoing. But I, I want I want us in the Mallow area and the Duhallow area and all that part of the world to be ready with our plan for Mallow to be considered for a location for the elective hospital. And I genuinely think that Mallow has loads of advantages. At least you want cross-party support, doesn't it? What party cross- anybody comes from, let everybody sit down. Absolutely. And you've, you've actually, you've, uh, you've arranged a meeting. Yes, we've arranged a special meeting with our officials on Friday at uh, half past two. To, to, to do. It's our first meeting. We may have many, many meetings, but we're, it's our first meeting of our, of our council officials and ourselves to look at what we can do for Mallow, how we can sell it, how we can put a plan together. And we certainly, and I believe the people who elected us onto the council last June of last year, expect us to, to, to fight that battle because, you know, I think it's crucially important that, you know, people who have to travel for surgery, going to hospitals and all that is very stressful. I've Lots of experience of being there myself with elderly relatives. So, you know, when you have an elderly person or a young person who needs assistance or going to a hospital, it's, it's stressful for any family. And I think it's crucial that we, we put the case to, to forward for Mallow because it is, Mallow is at the centre of Europe, or, or sorry, of, of Crossroads of Munster, as you say, Patricia. But it's also serving a huge hinterland back into Duhalla, Liscarroll, up into Charleville, down into the city. And yeah. the, the point I make crucially about the city, if you go from one, one side of the city to the other, it's going to take you an hour in traffic. Whereas if you're coming out from the city, out from even Bandon, you can use the link, you're in Mallow in 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and we know already the HSC have agreed they need an elective hospital. Yes. That's already been agreed. It's just where they cite yes, it. Absolutely, it's the location. Yeah. And we, I, we have... You know, we're looking forward. Whoever the next minister for health will be, whoever the next Taoiseach will be, I don't know who the, who that per, who those people are going to be right now. But I can certainly, from where we're sitting, and all my council colleagues, Fina Gale, James Kennedy here in Mallow, we're all working to make a case for Mallow to fight that battle. It's a great idea. And, it, and we want to, and we want to, and and it's there's no point in saying in two years' time why didn't we do this? When you get an opportunity, 
I've just come from a talk now from Pat Falvey, who was speaking at the, lo- at the local enterprise morning here in Springford Hall. There was a load of businesses there. And I, it was a very inspirational talk about mountain climbing and so forth. But like it, 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 the one little lesson I learned, I was listening carefully, is if you get an opportunity, you must take it. Mm. And we have an opportunity now here as elected people to put a case forward for Mallow, which will serve the White or Hollow area. It'll serve East Cork. It'll, and, and the crucial point, the city, Cork City or the Cork City TDs shouldn't be threatened by us having it here in Mallow because the, it, it's, it's very accessible to the city. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, what's that? Pe- uh, prepare to fail, fail, uh, fail to prepare fail to prepare prepare to fail exactly yeah, you, that's what this is all about and it's just and at least the HSE can come back and say if they're against it well give us the reasons why absolutely why, you know, why they're against saying, it and obviously we'd be looking at high level meetings we'd want to be meeting the Minister for for Health we'd want to be meeting the Minister Taoiseach of the day whoever that will be to put our case forward for Mallow to be, to be the location for the elective hospital which will serve a huge geographical area and, and that is absolutely crucial the other you know if I can Go off point, small bit with regard to Ken Station and Cork. They're looking now for to build a maintenance, a maintenance to, to maintain all the fleet. Again, here in Mallow, in the beat, old beat factory site, we have an excellent location there to, to relocate the maintenance area for the Irish Rail onto the beat factory site because there's already a rail link into it. Mm. So th- there are opportunities here for, there are opportunities. And I believe, sincerely, Patricia and your listeners, I genuinely believe that we have to, as councillors, the, the people who elected us expect us to lead this campaign. OK, so when is this meeting and, and who who's at this planned meeting? Well, the, the meeting will be uh, <coughs> on Friday, the before Fianna Fáil, uh, the, the Fianna Gael councillors will be, will be present, James Kennedy will be present, Liz Donovan, all our senior officials here in Annabella who are right. actually working in the offices in Annabella will be present looking at what we can do in the context of putting a case forward for Mallow, which genuinely means the whole general, general North Cork area. And I do think that this opportunity, I this decision may not be made for five years, it may be made in two years. I think this decision should be made very quickly when the new government is formed because you cannot have, it's not a sustainable situation to have elderly people over 70 and over 80 travelling to Belfast for cataracts and there's a huge, huge waiting list at the moment for cataracts, for knees, for hips, the waiting list is massive. There's thousands of people on those waiting lists and I saw my own dad when he got his cataract done, the change it made in his life. He could only read the headlines in the newspaper and suddenly he got his cataract done, he could read the full article in the newspaper. You know, having an elderly person... And did that, I mean, outside of the obvious one of being able to read the paper, did it, did it lift his spirits? Did it change Absolutely, yeah. it changed there. It's 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 a life getting a cataract done for an elderly person is a, is a life changing yeah. because it, it makes it suddenly their life their their life is dark and suddenly they can read the paper they can watch the news and for an elderly person to being able to read a book read a paper you know I saw personally the huge impact having his cataract done to my late dad he he got four or five years out of it but they were four or five great years where he could get the paper and read it from cover to cover and I don't think any person and then that could, allows him to discuss things with you and did you see did you absolutely. hear what I saw read, read and in, it's good in for the their paper. mental health and then the, the other what annoys me about the cataract operation Bernard is it's such a simple procedure in that it doesn't take up a huge amount no. of time and yet still we've got to send people on buses to Belfast and we've got like I spoke this morning to my, to, to, to my former colleague in Cork County Council James O'Connor about this matter like you know he's currently a TD like and you know there's thousands of people on the waiting list for this there's thousands of people on the waiting list to get these minor procedures done I think it's I think that we should make the decision when the government is formed get our hospital into Mallow 
get those procedures and I think the people down here in West Cork or Duhallow or East Cork are as entitled to have their cataract done as fast as possible as anybody else. Any year waiting for a cataract in an elderly person's life, you know, it's very, it's, it, it, the elderly people want to read the mass leaflet. They want to read the local magazine. It stops some older people driving. I know we've Absolutely. dealt with, with elderly people who had to give up driving and that can take their independence away if they're, if they're, if they're in, a, in a rural area. And of course, by having the an elective hospital, because we know whenever something goes wrong at CUH, whenever there's any kind of an outbreak um, of flu, God forbid if it was coronavirus or, or any time when there's a backup in the A&E department, it's all the elective procedures get cancelled. Absolutely. And, uh, and that's what that just adds to it. OK, listen, uh, keep in contact with us. I'd be really interested in how this story progresses uh, but thank you for joining us in the studio no this problem, Patricia. good thank morning you to you that is uh, Fianna Fáil Councillor Bernard Moynihan we need to take a break we have news at 11 on the way 1850 333 103 Cork today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street Mallow call and collect or get 7 day delivery for those cosy nights in lowcostfuel.ie hello this is Eric Griffin Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems. And then... Hello, this is Declan Ernie here. Hello, this is Sean Keane. Hello, this is Cathy Durkin. Hi, this is Louise Morrissey. Hi, this is Mick Flavin. Hello, this is Daniel O'Donnell here, and you're listening to Country and Irish with Eric Griffin on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish from 8, right here on C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Don't forget, we've got our Billy Joel competition continuing for a second week. This week, we're taking a second week of qualifiers. Uh, so at some stage on the programme, you're waiting for me to play a Billy Joel track when I play it. You know what to do. You text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And if I call you, if you answer a simple question, you will be a step closer to the final, which is going to be this day week. This day next week, we will know who has won return flights and three nights in New York VIP tickets to see Billy Joel live at Madison Square Garden on the 2nd of May. Skip the line admission to the Empire State Building. Plus, we're also throwing in a three-course dinner and drinks at a New York restaurant. So stay listening to C103. I can tell you I will definitely, at some stage on the programme today, play a Billy Joel track. And I can even tell you, it's the wonderful my life you're listening out for make sure you've got that number in your phone 0862 103 103 Billy Joel in the Big Apple with amigoloans.ie on Cork's greatest tits okay the coronavirus a lot of commentary in on this and we are in this hour going to be giving advice to parents who've got small children in the house and some of the smallies are getting a bit afraid by what they're hearing and how do we put it into terminology the children will understand so as not to uh, scare them. Uh, a texter says, I agree the issue on scaring uh, children by talk of the coronavirus is important and it does need careful uh, discussion. However, I have not heard any discussion around the issue of work and pay for those who are staying away from work in the event of the virus are as precautionary isolation in the event of a family or a colleague incident. Isolation is not an illness, so doesn't come 
within the Department of Social Welfare remit qualifications as deserving payment or unemployment benefit. Yes, isolation may be mandatory. Has anybody heard a discussion on that and what happens? I would assume it'll be a goodwill gesture on behalf of your work that they will pay you, but I don't suppose they have to pay you. We'll see if we can find, we need to get a labour lawyer to look at that, somebody who knows labour laws, that if a company says to you, you're not to come to work for two weeks because say you're either just back from an area where there has been coronavirus are you are self-declaring that you've been in contact with somebody who has the coronavirus and if the advice is from the doctors or whoever or for example that school in Dublin where everybody is sent home the teachers for example are all the teachers and everybody associated with the school are they all being paid the fact that they have been sent home and if you are sent home by the, the HSE what happens if it's a I mean obviously with the schools it's a government issue so we assume that the government will pay, the Department of Education will pay them all. There'll be outright war if they decided not to pay them. But what happens if it's a private company? Is your law, is your employer legally entitled to say, go home for two weeks and by the way, I'm not going to pay you? Your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850 Norma in Dunmanway is worried about people who are suspected of having coronavirus. Um, what happens at the moment is if you're suspected, you're told to ring your GP and then the GP will talk through with you. And if the GP thinks you need to go for testing, then you're told to go either into a hospital environment or into a local GP surgery where they'll have an isolation room where you will be able to be tested. Norma reckons that's not making sense because what you're then asking people to do are people who could have the virus, sick people. You're asking them to travel out into the community to go meet with frontline staff. Uh, surely that there should be some other solution. She suggests why don't they get porter cabins in car parks and test people away from a hospital environment where there are sick people. Would that not help in some way? Hi Patricia, this is a WhatsApp no name on this. We've, we've, we're already discussing and hearing that a school has been closed down in Dublin because of the coronavirus. Well I have information that tomorrow morning a lady is coming back from Italy uh, from a town which has been affected the most by the coronavirus and she will be t- returning to work as usual. Is there anyone going to meet this lady at the airport and check to see if she's infected or anything at all? She will be in contact with her children who could then go on to spread it to other children in our local school. The staff at her workplace have expressed that they will not go to work if she arrives back unchecked and the subordinates are saying that they do not want to raise a panic. Is the attitude with this pandemic that carefree and careless when it comes to such high risk events? Well, firstly, it isn't a pandemic. And secondly, they're not testing at airports. It will be up to that lady herself. <sighs> would, would, would you suggest that she goes into self-isolation for two weeks? A number of people are doing that. A number of people who've come back from areas, whether they've been in contact with somebody or not, but they've, they've been in an area that they know has been affected. There, and I know a number of people, for example, came back from China and went into self-isolation for two weeks. But that's an individual choice. I mean, that woman's problems will only occur for her if she starts getting symptoms and she's been exposed and she's been. And then obviously she'll be, nobody can force her, but it'll be up to her then to contact a, a GP. But how, how would others feel about that if you knew that somebody was coming back? Now, this listener reckons that the lady is coming back from an area that has been most affected. She stayed in a town that has been most affected by the coronavirus. How would you feel about working beside that person? Would you prefer 
if the work, her employer sends her on self or, or she self-isolates herself or would you prefer if the employer, should the employer say to her, because obviously if the employees are discussing it, the employer is aware that this woman is coming back and plans to go back to work, I suppose, in a day or two. And Michael says the coronavirus has arrived in Ireland and while the, wealth, while the World Health Organisation is not, not yet declared it a pandemic as many countries like us remain in a containment phrase. A pandemic declaration would be a message that people have given up on containment and that everyone will be exposed to the virus. Remember SARS in the early 2000s? It took nearly a year and a half to contain it. The swine flu in 2009, we learned a lot from that pandemic but Corona has a different feel to it. It should be equally contained in time. A proven vaccine could be fast-tracked but it would have its challenges and potential risks. Normally, developing testing potential vaccines takes six months to a year. Screening at ports and airports would give a false sense of reassurance to the public and would be a waste of valuable resources. The best production the best protection is to wash your hands continuously. As remember, the virus is cough droplets. It can live on inanimate objects for weeks. I'll challenge on that one in a minute, Michael. Albert Einstein said, the world as we've created it is a process of our thinking and the only way to change it is to change our thinking. The coronavirus may yes be what forces us to change our thinking and that's Michael. Um, and thank you for that. And I do know over the weekend because I knew we were going to be talking a lot about it. I was listening to as many podcasts as I could and as many interviews as I could find that had taken place over the last few days and I was reading up as much as I could about the uh, coronavirus virus and the one thing I did learn is like it isn't airborne when people were saying to us last week they were afraid oh if I was in a building and in the air conditioning it's not airborne you can't get it by just being in a room where somebody has been breathing who's had the coronavirus Michael is right it is it is passed on by droplets that means somebody has to sneeze or cough either on you and then even if it lands on you unless you get it on your hands and then put it into your mouth up your nose or in your eyes that's why we're constantly talking about washing your hands washing your hands properly and washing your hands uh, regularly now while Michael says it can live on inanimate objects for weeks it can't it'll survive a few hours that's if somebody coughs Say somebody coughs, this is somebody with coronavirus, somebody coughs into their hand or sneezes into their hand and then they put that hand down on the handle of a door in a bathroom, for for example, or getting on the... The getting onto a train or somewhere else in, in an airport or whatever. It will survive for a couple of hours at most. That's why the worry about people getting a package or food coming in from China or elsewhere, even if somebody had sneezed on the package, it's not going to last. It won't. It, it lasts a couple of hours and then it will die off. But it does prove cleaning... Uh, if somebody in the house, for example, had the coronavirus, cleaning an area and using and disinfecting an area would obviously be very important. But it's not airborne, it's droplet. So you would have to be in contact with somebody who's coughing or sneezing very closely uh, to uh, you. And then you would physically have to get some of the droplets that they've sneezed or coughed. They would have to get on somehow onto your hand. And then you, if you don't wash your hands properly, into your mouth, nose or eyes. That's why the cleaning of hands is so, so uh, important. OK, let me go to the phone line. Martin's in Mallow. Good morning to you, Martin. Hello, Patricia. How are you? I, I'm, I'm very well. Now, we're still in containment. We do, it isn't a pandemic and we're hoping that it won't spread. Uh, even though I was reading an article only this morning that they were saying it is inevitable it, it will come to Cork. It's, it, we know it's in, in, in the Dublin uh, area, but it's to try to contain it. But we need to prepare 
you've got an interesting suggestion. Yeah, I was thinking about if uh, the government or the HSE combined took over an empty hotel. Yeah. Which would be plenty of around the country. Okay. Prepare it as an isolation hospital and put people there that have been diagnosed with the coronavirus into it rather than put it into put them into um, mainline hospitals. And keep everybody to, together. Whereas at the moment we know there's one hospital in Dublin that they have an isolation unit ready, I think with 12 beds. Yeah. But, you, but, but don't have them so close to other sick people. Exactly, yeah. Because uh, my, my own mother now, she got the MRSI the, when, when she was in hospital the yeah, one time. Yeah. And I had to laugh at the, the, the uh, protection for us was one of the uh, mob hats, the other blue, yeah, blue hats. Yes, yeah. one, of, one of them. And a very flimsy apron. They're almost made it. out of paper. Yeah. Yeah. And gloves? No. Oh, the, oh sorry, yes, yes. Yeah, yes, the plastic, no. yeah, yeah, the gloves, yeah. But like, that's not going to protect anyone in any way or form. Yeah, and, and and MRSA is a particularly nasty. Na- I mean, that's a hospital in- acquired in infection. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, but you're saying isolate everybody and keep everybody in one central location, and people would get taken by ambulance. Yes. To there, I know in in Australia, and the Australians are so good at protecting their borders. Uh, they have a place called Christmas Island, which is a little island somewhere off Australia, and they're sending everyone that needs to go into quarantine. These are the people who are waiting to see if they if they they send yeah. everyone to Christmas Island. That they they're keeping everyone together doing what you're talking about but they're doing it on a much bigger scale yeah. alright I've seen no mention of them doing that I have to say Martin but it, it certainly is a good suggestion ok thank you for that are you, right. worried, are you worried about it Martin by the way Um, not too much at the moment anyway yeah because like if it's monitored and it should be ok you know yeah and what you know uh, I, this might sound racist like anybody coming in from Italy to be automatically checked or any country that has it like you know that requirement yeah. of coming back in is to, they have to be you see at the checked. moment we're asking I mean it's like the, the woman the, or the person who's contacted us from uh, um, a work environment and we, we, we're just not saying where it is who knows of a work colleague who's coming back to work who's coming back to Ireland tomorrow from an area initially that's been affected by the coronavirus. Now, the place she's going back to work in is open to the public. The members of the public will be in and out of this establishment. And like the other workers are saying that that woman should self-isolate for two weeks because she, she, you know, yeah. yeah. We have to be responsible for for other people as well and not be selfish about it. Yeah. Like yeah. the, the cruise ship there at that time. That yeah, yeah. Everyone was, wasn't even allowed off it. Yeah. You know? And they did it with the hot, with the hotel in Tenerife the other day until they were absolutely yeah. sure that they had it contained to the four people. Yeah. All right, Martin, thank you okay. for that. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Dennis and Carrigaline says uh, Joe Walsh, who was the minister at the time of the foot and mouth uh, in, the, in, in the early 2000s, uh, 
look how he managed to contain we didn't we'd won we ended up with just one outbreak of foot and mouth in the whole of the country because we all went into lockdown Dennis in Carrigaline says we need leadership again at the moment but I feel we're not getting that when it comes to it who's actually dealing with the uh, coronavirus can I direct people when I say I did it I was trying to get myself as get as much knowledge as I could at the weekend can I direct people to the hse.ie and they have a special section on the coronavirus and it really is good. It's, you know, and it's the most up-to-date information. I mean, when I last logged on to it, say yesterday at evening, they were talking about the one confirmed case that was at the, well, they don't mention the school that we know. I mean, the word of his mother knows the name of the school. So it was all over social media within minutes of the HSC saying there was a confirmed case in the east of the country. We know that the school, it's in Glasnevin. Um, so they don't give the details. They're not saying it's Glasnevin. They just say it's in the east of the country. But they go, you know, they go through advice to people and they talk about self-isolating. They say to people if they think that they've been in contact, how to self-isolate. And they talk about all, you know, the, the non-essential travel and the do's and, and the don'ts. And I keep going back to the big is to wash your hands and wash your hands properly and if you do come down with any kind of a cold or a flu or or you think it could be coronavirus but covering your mouth and covering your mouth and your nose with a tissue when you're when you need to sneeze or cough or or or, or you 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 sneeze or cough if you don't have a tissue and it's into your sleeve you just don't Get it onto your hand because that's where you're going to pass the droplets on. Droplets on. But if you go to the HSE, hse.ie, really good website with lots and lots of in- information. Uh, it, it, it is worth reading. It certainly is worth reading. Regarding coronavirus, what about home helps going into people's homes? Um, how do they know the uh, symptoms? Well, I suppose everyone at this stage knows what the 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 symptoms is, you know, the dry cough, the feverishness, the feeling unwell. And again, people only need to be worried as if they've come in contact with somebody with the coronavirus. We're still very much a containment stage in this country in that we only have the one known case. There has been others have been tested, but they've proven not to have the coronavirus. They instead have had, they've, they're, they're coming down with flus uh, instead. OK, can I, 1850 can I quickly just take a look at some of the calls and comments that we did about the train? Remember earlier I read out an email we had from Joseph, one of our listeners in West Cork, who went to Dublin last Friday and was up and down on a day trip and got the three o'clock train back, literally got onto the train as the train was pulling out didn't realise how packed the train was and ended up having to stand the whole way from Kent Station in from from Houston Station in Dublin through to Kent Station in Cork and you know Joseph writes about the cost of the train tickets why are Irish Rail selling so many tickets why are the trains so full I spoke about health and safety the fact that so many people because uh, Joseph and his travelling companion Worthen himself and his partner weren't the only two who stood because he said the entire carriage they couldn't move they couldn't even as the train stopped at other stops he couldn't even walk up and down the train to see if there was other seats free because the whole walkway was full of people so crowded was the uh, train Karma says my daughter was on the two o'clock train that was the hour before Joseph's 
that train was as crowded as the three o'clock. Yeah, see, I was wondering, could, could he, would he have waited? But someone will probably tell me now they were on the four o'clock and the four o'clock was as crowded as well. We've contacted, this is John Paul saying, we've contacted Irish Railway, the standing and no seats on the afternoon trains and we are awaiting a reply. Now, some other people were on to us by text on this. Just let me go to some of your uh, texts and uh, keep them coming into us, uh, please. Um, on the train issue on the train issue um, somebody says hi if I'm going to Dublin I book my seats online it's 2.50 or 5 euro return and then at least you know your seat is booked and you may have to walk down the carriage to find your your seat but you are guaranteed your uh, seat somebody else Eddie says go by coach you're not allowed to stand on a bus Health and safety, my ass, when it comes to overcrowded trains. Hi, Patricia. The 1500, that's the three o'clock train out of Houston, the one that Joseph was on. That train from Houston to Cork is a connecting train for the 1725 Mallow to Tralee train, as are all the odd number trains to Cork, i.e. the 11 o'clock the one o'clock and the five o'clock out of Houston. They're always packed on Fridays with big transfers in Mallow for Killarney and Tralee. Hence the reason that those trains are always so crowded. And Tim says they are very good private bus services non-stop between Cork and Dublin with central departure points at both ends. But booking for specific time of departure is a major reassurance of your seat. The Cork departure, for example, is St. Patrick's Quay. Bus Air and Expressway are not too bad and are only a fraction of the train cost for Joseph who says he's got to go back to Dublin next week and he says he won't be going by train so Tim giving you a few suggestions there if you want to take the bus instead 1850 333 103 C103 Jobs Customer service rep is wanted for Little Island you need to have a minimum of one year experience Community employment positions there available in Kilbritton Barry Row, Court McSherry Timaleek and Clonakilty Arctic Driver Wanted, that's for milk collection in West Limerick and North Cork areas, while an office administrator is wanted for Boerboy. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie C103 presents the Clonakilty Park Hotel West Cork Rally on March 14th and 15th in Clonakilty. The cream of Irish and British rally stars come to take on the roads of West Cork. Action gets underway with the ceremonial start in Clonakilty Town Centre on Friday night, March 13th. Clonakilty Park Hotel West Cork Rally. Fun and excitement for all the family. March 14th and 15th in Clonakilty with Cork's greatest hits, C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And just one more quick text in on the 
trains and what happened with Joseph having to stand the entire way along with his partner the, the entire way from Dublin right through to Cork because the train was the three o'clock train out of Houston was so busy and lots of lots of other listeners saying it's just unfortunately Friday including this Kerry listener says hi Patricia yes Friday is the worst day for overcrowded trains especially in the afternoon with most seats already reserved heretofore Two carriages were always unreserved for customers without reservations, many paying premium last minute prices. But now Irish Rail have started reserving some seats even on those carriages as well. They do a good job, but they don't realise standing is not an option for everyone. Many after hospital treatments like myself, says a Kerry listener who obviously is one of the people who takes the connecting train then from Mallow on down into Kerry. My goodness, if you've just back after treatment to be asked to stand for that, what is it, a two and a half hour train uh, journey that is uh, beyond unfair. As I say, we're waiting. We've emailed Irish Rail. We are awaiting their response. 1850 Now, while discussing the coronavirus last week, a number of parents contacted us to say their children, particularly little ones, were starting to pick up on all the news bulletins about the coronavirus. Now, many were becoming very scared. So, how do we talk to children about things like the coronavirus? With advice, Laura Erskine of theparentingexperts.com. Good morning to you, Laura. Good morning. Uh, you're welcome to, to the programme. Is this a common problem when there's a worldwide event getting lots of media attention that children pick up pick up on it and have a tendency to get confused and they get a little bit scared about it all? Absolutely. Um, you know, there's so much media attention on this and indeed other um, world events such as the SARS case, there were other viruses then there was, you know, when there's when there's wartime and um, children become worried about that, they, they hear so much that we don't really give them credit for and it's not just what's going on on the news on the television and what they're picking up on the news bulletins on the radio, but also it's the tone of voice that we as parents use when discussing it with our partners, with our friends on the phone, and they're picking up on all of that. And of course, the anxious brain catastrophizes um, these situations and um, they think of the worst case scenario. And it's, it's that lack of information and the uncertainty, actually, that makes them most concerned. And they see their parents and they take their lead from them. So if their parents are concerned, then they think that they should, too, be concerned. So the most important thing is to talk to your children. Um, Aside from being very mindful about what it is they're witnessing in terms of turning the television off when it comes to the news, um, turning the radio off or switching channel um, when it comes to the top of the hour news, because... The, the media coverage can be so repetitive when there is no new news um, and that, you know, children don't understand that and they just think that it's become that it's still a, a very big issue. So it's about talking to your children and breaking it down into very simple terms. Um, for your listeners, uh, there is actually a fantastic resource um, called Brain Pop. It's a website um, and that's brainpop.com. So if you search there for the coronavirus within that website, there is a brilliant cartoon animated uh, video, uh, a very quick explainer that goes on for about two minutes that explains in very simple terms what the coronavirus is and how similar it is to the common cold. Um, and also on the RTE uh, news, on the player, the RTE player, there is the News Today programme, which some 
classrooms actually watch the News Today programme yeah. and stream it in their classrooms with the teachers. And that also has a very simple explainer on the coronavirus. Um, so that children really understand that it's, it's, it's a very similar virus to the, the common cold and influenza virus. Um, yes, it is concerning when it comes to people who have underlying medical conditions. So, and then also the very elderly um, amongst us that, yes, it is more likely to impact them, but with proper medical treatment in a timely manner, most will recover. And in fact, most people who do become symptomatic of the, or who do become infected with the coronavirus actually will be asymptomatic and that they won't have any symptoms at all. Yeah, there's, it's, you know, it's very possible that a lot of people will be walking around with coronavirus, didn't even didn't even realise that, that, that they had it. Uh, but for, for children, um, don't fob them off when they have questions. I mean, I think that was one of the ones last week when parents were contacting us saying, you know, God, the questions that they're coming out with. But it's to keep it, keep the answers age appropriate. It is. Keep them simple, keep them age appropriate and make sure that all of those questions are aired. Um, you know, when everyone's listening and engaged, perhaps around the dinner table or around the breakfast table, when you've got the proper time to devote to those questions and even to allow yourself a little bit of time to research the answer to the question. So if your child asks you a question and you're on the school run, they're just about to drop them off or uh, you're in the supermarket and they come up with a, a question, you say, do you know what? I, I don't know the full answer to that right now. So I'm going to check that out and I'm going to come back to you. And that gives you a chance as a parent to think of an age appropriate response, maybe even to research the correct way to, to answer that question so that you're giving your child the best possible answer that's not going to make them anxious. Yeah, but um, by fobbing them off, oh, that's nothing, don't be, don't worry about that, don't be worried about that. Um, that's the wrong thing to do because you can actually make them more anxious. It is. Uh, and they will get the sense that, that they're being dismissed and that their fear that's inside them, that feeling is not a valid feeling when that's something that they, they that they're feeling, they're internalizing. So actually what you need to do is acknowledge and, and say, do you know something? It is quite scary. It's quite scary listening to it on the radio. It's quite scary seeing people walking around with masks on and acknowledge that 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 their feeling is valid and then say, but they don't need to be worried about it. That there are people, there are medical people who are looking after the treatment of this, that they're working on a vaccine for it, that they're working on on trying to make sure that the virus doesn't spread. And then talk to your child about what they can do, how they can play their part in making sure that this virus doesn't spread. And that's by doing the same things that they should be doing to avoid the common cold. So it's about making sure that they're washing their hands regularly. Make them part of the solution um, um, outlined them that they must cover their um, their mouth with either a tissue or with the, the crook of their arm with their sleeve if, if they're going to cough that they shouldn't um, touch their, their mouth their, their nose or their eyes with unwashed hands they, that they should um, you know that they should clean their hands very regularly and if in school perhaps they don't have always have soap or always have a hand dryer and um, some some schools use um, the same towel for every every student member mm-hmm. that maybe you might give them a little um, antibacterial gel to bring into absolutely. school with them. Absolutely, absolutely. We had one listener last week who said she's taken to switching off the TV whenever the, her smallie, it's a, a seven year old little girl who's really very anxious about the whole thing. She said she's, she's limiting uh, what her daughter um, sees and hears uh, on the TV. Is, is that what, uh, that's wise? 
it is it definitely is wise turning it off I think they've heard enough at this point um, and the news is quite repetitive now and then also talk to your children about the, the people that they see perhaps um, on either on the television or perhaps even when they're out and about um, with the masks on um, and to talk to them about why that's there actually you know the, the, the Chinese and Asian countries they wear those masks out of respect for others when they themselves um, are sick. So it's not necessarily to prevent infection. It's so that they don't pass it on to another person. And they wear those masks. You know, they've been wearing them for many years because um, Chinese culture is built out of out of this value system of respect and not wanting to infect others. So even when there isn't a problem like a coronavirus, the, those cultures still wear those masks at certain times of the year to ensure that if they have a common cold, they don't pass it on to other people. Um, So I suppose it's about bringing down the fear levels by keeping the lines of communication open, by not overexposing them to media and answering their questions in a simple but honest way. And then comparing the coronavirus to the other things that they know and understand, like the common cold and the flu. Um, that they would have heard of older people getting vaccines against, pregnant people getting vaccines against, because we know that sometimes the symptoms can be a little harder for those people to manage. Okay, and Jane says her nine-year-old daughter is particularly anxious about the coronavirus. She's picked up that it affects older people and she's terrified something's going to happen to her much-loved nana and uh, granddad. She's very anxious. She didn't sleep well over the weekend. Uh, Jane is thinking of going in and saying it to her teacher. Absolutely, and that really is the best way to do it because then once they're all answered, they're all getting the information at the same time. The teacher can address the concerns, and it's all of these people in these positions of authority and who they value um, their their input, the educators, the parents, and um, these are the the doctors. These are the people the children need to get um, validation in terms of their fears, but also um, in order to dispel those those fears and any unnecessary myths like perhaps that that people of different race or religion are more likely to get the coronavirus or more likely to pass it on, that those those um, those irrational fears are dispelled and that they're given the correct information and everybody's given it at the same time. So teachers and educators definitely and actually using something like the News Today programme um, on RTE Player where there is a short video that has been uploaded and it's all, it's, the information is very carefully explained using graphics and it's done in an age-appropriate way allows the, the, the teacher to be sure that they're not giving misinformation and that this information has been well-researched and being given given in an age-appropriate way okay. to the class. All right, listen, mind of information as always, brainpop.com, though, is the website you're directing people to for those little... Um, great, I, I, I watched uh, the one on the coronavirus, one great little videos on that There website. are. They, they, they actually, they break down really complex do, issues yeah. in a very simple way. And uh, Watch All doesn't like to watch a little animated video um, that that's two minutes long. And, and it's something that if they still have questions thereafter, you as a parent might even be more educated yourself. Absolutely. It's, it's we, can, we, we can all learn from the cartoon. Listen, Laura, thank you for that. And uh, we'll talk again. But thanks for joining us today. Brilliant. Thank uh, you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is Laura Erskine of the parentingexperts.com. 1853. 
103 John Paul taking your course. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Short Castle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie And uh, I will come back to a lot of calls and comments in on the uh, coronavirus and on trains and a lot of other issues and I promise you I will come back to it but I want to move to something completely different because a charity is asking tree lovers and climate warriors to become one in a million by helping plant a million trees in struggling African countries with the spin-off being trees will also be planted here in Ireland. Joining me from Self Help Africa, their press officer, George Jacob. Good morning to you, George. Morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, why is the planting of trees so important in African countries? Right, yeah. Trees in Africa, well, first of all, trees for the climate, trees are a very effective way of removing uh, damaging greenhouse gases from the atmosphere. Um, a, a mature tree will remove 20 kilos of uh, carbon a year from the atmosphere. But in Africa, trees uh, serve another purpose entirely. As well as doing all of that good stuff around climate change, trees are also a source of, of food. They're a source of income. They provide shade. They provide shelter. And they do a lot uh, for uh, rural African families. We, our organisation, South South Africa, we work in uh, ten countries in sub-Saharan Africa. We work primarily with smallholder uh, farming families, helping them to grow more and earn more on small farms. Now that that earning more and growing more can can mean mango trees, it can mean banana trees, it can mean a host of other trees that provide nitrogen, that support uh, uh, like the soil fertility and um, so, so the decision in, in doing this campaign was to, one, address the challenge that we're, we're all acutely aware of around the, the climate change and global warming, but also to, to put a focus on the importance of trees in, in sub-Saharan Africa. So what we're doing is we're planting, um, we're, we're asking for people to support us to plant a million trees in sub-Saharan Africa and 100,000 native trees here at home in Ireland. And how it works is um, for every five euro that is donated, we are pledging we will plant 10 trees in Africa and one native tree here at home in Ireland through a local charity partner. And is it possible to do that for just a fiver? It is possible to do that for a fiver, yes. Wow. Um, a, yeah, a tree, a, you know, a, a bare root tree seedling of a native Irish tree uh, is costing a, a euro, and in Africa it's costing 20 cents. But it's very important as well. Um, and if you do the maths there, you realise, well, hang on a second, there is another, there is another few euro to play with. <laughs> a, a, a part of that is also us providing the training and the support to communities so that they care for and, 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 and rear the trees properly so that they will come to maturity. I mean, the fact that you, you spoke about mango trees and, and bananas, I mean, the whole idea there is that will give the farm, the families that get those trees, that will give them an income then, won't it? Because it, it gives them produce to sell. For sure, it will give them. It will give them. It will give them food for the household, and it will give them an income. Now, a mature mango tree, you can get up to thirty crates of mangoes uh, from a mature mango tree in in a country like Malawi, where we work, and and that can be trans 
translated into about 250 or 300 euro a year. Now that's alongside, that's just a, a tree in the, in the compound on the family farm. But there's a whole raft of other trees that are possible. Avocado trees or, or other trees we grow. Cashew trees are, grow particularly well in West Africa. So, but all of the time, these trees are not just providing an income. They are also uh, removing carbon from the atmosphere, which is which is something that we're all very uh, acutely aware of at the moment. Yeah, I like, yeah, that's what I that's what captured my interest in this project. I mean, we're not we're not only helping out people less fortunate than ourselves, but this is this is so good uh, for the climate as well. And then the Irish end of it, George, who's going to be planting the trees? We're working with a local partner and they're actually based down in County Cork called Trees on the Land. And Trees on the Land, they basically work with landowners, they work with uh, community groups, they work with schools, sporting clubs and, and, and so on. And they plant trees every year and we are, we, are, we are twinning or we are partnering with them on this initiative. They have the infrastructure, they have the contacts here at home in Ireland and we have the the, the facilities to, to do the tree planting in our programs in sub-Saharan Africa. I should say as well that the, the campaign is being supported by Glenisk, the, 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 the Irish yogurt company. Yeah. And from this week, we're going to be all over their, their, their bio-yogurt pots so people can get instruction and advice on how they can support the campaign by peeling off the label on their on their Glenisk yogurt. It's also being supported by the GPA, the Gaelic Players Association, who represent intra-county players past and present. And it's been supported by the INTO, which is the Irish National teachers organisation. They're getting involved with the primary school children because you know and let's when we're talking about this from from the climate point of view I mean communities in Africa George are some of the ones most affected by climate change but these poor communities didn't cause it and they're, and they're the ones most affected. That's that's right. Um, you, you, you have it. You have it in one, Patricia. Um, you, and, and we are we are trying to sort of communicate that to people. People people in Africa, their carbon footprint is 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 approximately one thirtieth of what it is uh, for uh, a person in the West. Wow. They don't fly. They don't have cars. Um, and and really, you know, like the, the the main thing that they do that contributes to to climate change or to carbon emissions is when they plough the land. It releases carbon into the atmosphere, and then the other thing that they that, that they do out of necessity is is they have to use trees as firewood um, because eighty percent of the people in countries where we work don't have electricity. So it is critically important that, as well as because there is there is this natural loss of trees that's going on that mm-hmm. that the that the, the the, the planting exceeds the amount of trees that are being lost. And that's something that we have been doing for many, many years. Anyway, uh, we, we promote zero tillage farming. We support families to, you know, to look after the trees on their land so that they do reach maturity. And when they are, when they are requiring firewood, there's also training programs that say, no, don't, don't cut down the tree, but you can, you can remove, um, uh, branches and you can use, use trees in that way. And the tree will continue growing and the tree will continue also sequestering carbon from the atmosphere.
Okay, and is this part of the, you know, that UN back to the One Trillion Trees initiative recently? It is. Yeah, it's part it of is, that. Um, yeah, we're very, we're very proud to be to to be partnering with the UN in that initiative. That that's a plan. That's a global plan over the next ten, yeah. 10 11 years to plant a trillion trees around the world for the express purpose of 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 trying to get some of the harmful greenhouse gases out of the atmosphere. Okay, and finally, George, how can people donate? People can donate in in various ways. Um, they can they can visit our website, which is selfhelpafrica.org, and there is an address there. There's a link on the homepage. It's very prominent. Or if they want the exact address, it's selfhelpafrica.org forward slash one million trees. That's O N E million trees. Okay. We wish you luck with it, George. And in the meantime, thank you for taking time out to talk to us today. Thank, thanks so much, Patricia. Good morning to you. That bye is bye uh, bye, George uh, Jacob of Self Help uh, Africa. Self org. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Win your way to Billy Joel in the Big Apple. VIP style. With AmigoLoans.ie on C103. And I played the wonderful Billy Joel track, My Life, coming up to news at 12 midday. And lots and lots of you were waiting out for it. And uh, many texts and WhatsApps. We put them all in together, mixed them all up. We selected one. We called that person back. And it is Liz O'Halloran in Churchtown. Good afternoon to you, Liz. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you today? Very well, no. <laughs> you, you could do with the weekend away, though, could you? Bedler. Could you? Have you yeah, been yeah. to New York before? No, never. I, no. Do you, but do you like I Billy? Do you oh, like Billy Joel? I love Billy Joel. Yeah, do you? Do. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. He really is fantastic. Okay, I've got a question for you. A uh, simple enough question. It is a, an A or a B answer. And the question for you is, Billy Joel has how many children? Is it A, seven, or B, three? What's the answer? Three. Three. Hey, hey, well done. Well done. It is, it is three. Uh, I don't know the names of the three, and I won't ask you to name them either, but oh, well no. done. That means that you know what that means now. Yeah, I'm in Monday. You're into the final. You're into the final next Monday. Make sure your phone is charged and is with you next Monday morning. I will, of course. Because if... Hopefully I'll get the call. Well, if you get another call, if you get that call Monday morning, you will be packing your bags and heading off three nights in New York. Who would you bring with you, uh, Liz, do you think? Uh, I'd take my husband, Mike. Mike. Okay, and Mike would be free. Would he that weekend to go away with you? I got yours. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, congratulations, Liz. And thanks Thank for that. Okay, much. well done, well Thank done. Uh, bye bye. Liz O'Halloran in Churchtown becoming our latest qualifier for Billy Joel Live in the Big Apple with Amigo Loans.ie and Cook's Greatest Hits C103. And we'll do it all over again throughout the afternoon with Nick, with Martina, with Eric, and again with myself and Simon tomorrow and every day this week. Another week for you to qualify. Keep listening out for those Billy Joel tracks and you could be heading off to Billy Joel in the Big Apple. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. We are looking, by the way, for your questions, please, for Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist. If you have a question for Annalise, get it in. And uh, Annalise will be joining us after half past 12 today. Now, lots and lots of commentary coming in. Let's see if I can get to uh, some of them. Uh, Firstly, on the career 
coronavirus. John in Cove says, I feel that there's a lot of scaremongering going on about this virus. We've had numerous contagious flus going around every year, but I feel the pharma company make things out to be worse than they are to continue to make money. Again, a lot of it, a lot of the scaremongering is down to greed. Well, I tell you, whatever pharma company comes up with the first vaccine, they're the ones. I mean, all of the pharma companies are working flat out to try to get. There's one I think is is close and they're about to start testing. Uh, It's the company that gets there first are the ones that make the big money. So they'll all work on it, but it's only one ultimately will make the money. A column in Butterfant when we were talking about children today and children being worried about it. Uh, Colm says, children are children. When we were young, we were worried as the Catholic Church had put the fear of God into all of us. Our parents used to say, the bogeyman will come and get you if you've done something wrong. Uh, Nowadays, there's so much information available to children, but it seems to be bringing on further anxiety. But it was always there. Children of all generations were scared. But yeah, but I suppose today, Colm, we know the effects of it. We know what you know, lack of self-esteem, we know what anxiety can do to children. Whereas maybe when we were growing up, our parents didn't quite understand that. And that's it's kind of a generational thing we were learning as we're going along. And we don't, nobody really wants, any, wants children to be scared or frightened in any way. Hence the reason that we did our piece today with Laura Erskine, a parenting expert. Because listen to this text that came in um, earlier from a person to say, Hi Patricia, I was shopping in a large store in Mallow yesterday with my three children and there was what looked like Chinese people walking around the store. They were all wearing masks and gloves. My children were absolutely terrified. I spent the rest of the day and night trying to calm them down because that's not something our children are used to seeing. And actually I thought it was interesting, thank you for that, I thought it was interesting when when Laura was making the point that the people in, particularly in China are wearing the masks. I mean you're only, the experts are telling us you only wear the masks if you have the coronavirus or if you had a cold or a flu because it stops you then if you cough or sneeze that your droplets aren't going to go out into the atmosphere and you can affect anybody else and in China that's what they do if they're sick with any kind of a complaint they'll put those masks on it's not to protect themselves it's to protect other people now I don't know why that group of Chinese people maybe they felt because they were from China I don't know if they'd recently been away or whatever or maybe they felt that they would give comfort to other people just because they're Chinese and Chinese people are being not targeted but people are looking at Chinese and Asian people saying oh well, you home lately for fear that they might have been in an area with the coronavirus but yeah I can understand but that's that's why you need to talk to your children and explain why they were wearing it maybe they were wearing it to help stop spreading to somebody else rather than they themselves uh, picking it up uh, thanks for your text Mary says hi Patricia love the programme thank you very much uh, about the first person who had the COVID-19 remember the case in Northern Ireland last week how can the H and HSE and the government say that they have contacted all of the people that may have come in contact with that woman because we know she went on public transport when a person buys a ticket at a bus or a train office or as happened to us two weeks ago when we booked tickets online on a train out of Houston, our seats were taken when we got on board the train in Charleville. We then had to get other seats that hadn't been booked. How can therefore they say that they contacted all of the people who were in the seats close to them? Because people change seats all of all of the time. How can they say that that in, that they? that they contacted everyone that that infected person met. They simply cannot do it. It's very wrong that the HSE to give this assurance when it's not possible to do it. Thanking you. And you're not the first 
Mary to say that and I suppose the HSC are doing the best that they can and they'll say that they've done everything that's humanly possible but of course you're absolutely right it would be impossible for them to contact every single person because I, I heard somebody over the weekend talk about that particular case and the fact that that woman came from a flight from Italy into Dublin airport then she went in a taxi and then got a taxi out to the train station to Connolly wasn't it and then she went on the train uh, to Belfast someone was making the point if she, you know, got off a flight, maybe she went in and she used the, the bathroom. She went in to, to use the toilet. You know, was she coughing and sneezing? Was there droplets in the, in the toilet? The HSE couldn't possibly know who was in the toilet at the same time as her or who went in after or into the toilet. And actually, when I was saying about the information that I had about the virus only lasting a few hours because Michael had contacted us. He'd sent in a WhatsApp about it saying on his information that it can last for many days afterwards. And I was saying, oh, I don't know about that. That um, as far anything I was reading, it says it's gone in a few hours. Michael came back to say, my information comes from a microbiologist. And then someone else also says the same thing and actually sends me on a piece saying it was published online this month in the Journal of Hospital Infection and it concluded that the human human coronavirus can remain infectious on inanimate surfaces for up to nine days and that's at room temperature. But on copper and steel, it's only about two hours. Okay, and that comes from the Journal of Hospital Medicine, I suppose that's because any of the advice that I've been reading it's saying about cleaning work surfaces and that it would only last for two hours. They're obviously talking about copper and steel on door handles and, and that, but other in inanimate objects, it can last, according to that piece of research, nine days at, at uh, room temperature. So I suppose it d- very much depends on the type of research and where you're using the research. On is- isolating and should we isolate people, Sandy says isolation units should be single units on a site, i.e. air needs to circulate freely. So not as in a ward where everybody's breathing in the same air, even though in this particular case, the coronavirus is not airborne. Anyway, this type of a isolation facility would cater for MRSA and other serious infections. I think in most hospitals in the EU, says Sandy, isolation units are part of all hospitals and it's the first place the patients are put before they're admitted onto a ward to make sure that they're not contagious and that they can't pass it on to anybody else. Uh, Madge says, why couldn't the Urnville Hospital be used for an isolation hospital that is ready to go? And that's the suggestion, remember, that came in from Martin, who was suggesting that we actually, he was saying, take over uh, an old hotel, a closed hotel and have an isol- you know, have an isolation unit and have it ready. Madge is saying use the Urnville Hospital it's there and already set up as a hospital I don't know what condition it's uh, like at the moment. Hi Patricia what would you think of a school tour going to Paris this uh, week? Yeah um, see again you've, going on the advice that you that we, uh, we're getting from the government and from the HSC and from the public health experts it's only China and the places in northern Italy isn't it? Because I know when there's a school in Cork were due to go in the city would you to go skiing to Northern Asia on Saturday and they uh, cancelled a school tour to Paris I know there have, there are cases in I had the list of there are cases in France what's it like in France at the moment in France they have 100 cases with 2 deaths 
when you compare that to Italy, 1,121 cases with 29 deaths. So certainly it's a lot worse in Italy. But the next country after Italy for the number of recorded cases is France and then followed by Germany with 66 and the United Kingdom with 35. And of course, the United Kingdom over the weekend, they've had their first deaths as well. So how would I feel? Would, would, how would... Yeah, it's I, it's parents are going to be very nervous about allowing their children to go on uh, school tours, particularly when the case, our first case now turns out to be a student who was on a ski holiday, but who was in a very affected area. We have to remember that. I suppose it depends on what type of Paris, what type of what area of Paris they're going to. But of course, they're going to be in areas where I mean, I'm assuming if they're going to Paris, they're going to Euro Disney and it's areas where a lot of people will be. So how would I feel? Would I be nervous about it? I probably would. Would it stop me going to Paris? No. Uh, I think, again, it's the good hand hand hygiene. And if your son or daughter is going on a trip and you're nervous uh, about them going, just explain to them how important it is that they constantly wash their hands and that they keep their hands away from their face or their mouth or their eyes unless their hands have been washed properly and, and send them off with um, hand sanitizers. 1850 I think that's all of the one on coronavirus that we have in. Can I give a quick mention to something that came in because I got a couple of texts in on this. It started off with one that came in earlier. I just didn't get a chance to mention it. Hi Patricia, would you congratulate the Open Door Drama Group in Drumaham on a fantastic drama performance called Many happy returns. I was there last night and I laughed from start to finish. It was total escapism. And it's on again next weekend if anybody wants a fun night out. So the Open Door Drama Group in Drumahan on next weekend. Keep a lookout for that. Many happy returns. So I got that in bright and early this morning from somebody obviously who's still giggling about the fun night out that they had last night. And then I've seen a few other texts come in mentioning this play that's on in Drumahan, including in the middle of all the ones about the coronavirus. Paddy in Malice says, Patricia, in in these tough times people could do with a laugh would you tell all your listeners to go to the wonderful play that's on in Drumaham fantastic so well done to everybody involved there and it's a good fun night out if you want a good fun night out we were talking about planting trees for Africa in the last hour Donald says and I was making the point that it just seems very unfair that these African countries that are already very, very poor countries and they are the countries that are most affected by climate change and those the people who live in the communities in Africa are the ones who did the least towards climate change and and yet they're the ones suffering the most with drought and, you know, with increasing temperatures. Uh, Donald says, new statistics released by Forestry and Land in Scotland show that 13.9 million trees have been axed to make way for 21 wind turbine projects and that's just in Scotland and that's since the year 2000. How green are wind farm projects um yeah, right, says Donald. And I, again, I'm not the expert on it, so I don't know. I suppose an expert will come and say when you, over the lifetime of those wind projects, it will balance out. But that does seem like an awful lot of trees, Donald, to be asked to make way for 21 wind farm projects, uh, for sure. Still getting in texts about Father Ray. Hi, Patricia. I think Father Ray danced badly in the hope of being eliminated. He didn't think... He was so popular. That's from Seamus in Mitchellstown. Oh, I'd hate to think that he deliberately danced badly because, you know, I don't know if he did. I think he I think the man really was trying his very, very best. And when, you know, when he's in it, when, you know, any of the interviews I've seen with him and I know even when he was talking with 
our own Simon on the breakfast show he's like really really enjoying himself I know there was other comments I don't know if I can find them all now there's so many comments coming in today on uh, Sheila in, in North Cork was on uh, saying Father Ray got five votes again last night out of my house I feel the RTE show is very much away from ballroom dancing and it seems to be gone more hip hop I don't see that jumping up and down when it's strictly on Strictly Come Dancing which is the BBC show that the that the Irish one is uh, based on that it is more hip hop than anything else but there's certainly we've had a lot of calls and texts in from people today who are very much on the side of Father Ray and a lot of people saying how dare anyone suggest that Father Ray step out and you know that got kicked off this morning somebody had suggested that Father Ray should uh, stand down um, and just because it's unfair on, on the better dancers. Uh, Father Ray says, Michael, God bless him. He's the happiest man on earth going around the dance floor, singing his little heart out without a care in the world. He's enjoying himself. Why shouldn't he carry on? As long as the people want him in this competition. It's their choice at the end of the day, so to hell with the big Rogers. Every good luck to him. It is family entertainment show, not some multi-million dollar show. He's a priest. It's his choice. And he's showing the other side of priests that they too can enjoy themselves like anybody else. Above all, give that encouragement. Above all, give them encouragement to those. It'll give encouragement to those watching. Good luck to Father Ray. Thanking you. And that's from Michael. Thank you for that, Michael. And can I just squeeze in one more? And this is to do with the television programme and a a different television programme. This is to do with Tommy Tiernan. Now, can I say before I read this out, because I, I was never the biggest fan. Well, I was. I was always a fan of Tommy Tiernan. And then I thought a couple of times he just went too low. He did he did a sketch one night on some TV programme and it was to do with the children who come from Belarus, the Chernobyl children who come over every summer. This was in the height of when the Chernobyl kids were coming every summer. And it was very offensive. I mean, it was very, very offensive to any of us host families who took Chernobyl children. And at the time, I think I was in the middle of trying to adopt Marsha and I took grave offence uh, to the comment that he made. And then there was another very upsetting comment uh, where it was to do with Special Olympics and young uh, young adults and children involved in Special Olympics with Down syndrome. I can't even remember. But again, at the time, it was very, it was very upsetting. And for that reason, I remember saying that was it. I would never watch Tommy Tiernan. I'd never go to any of his shows, etc., etc. I have to say, as the years have gone on, I've softened slightly towards him. And I, I personally have softened a lot with his TV programme. Now, this listener is not going to agree with me on that because this listener just does not like his TV programme at all. And it says, hi Patricia, just a word about Tommy Tiernan. Our RTE gone this low to have, and I'm not going to use that kind of a, a mean word to use, but somebody who really doesn't like Tommy Tiernan. So that man uh, presenting the, w- the way he presents. He asked, particularly took offence to the way he asked Bob Geldof about how he was grieving after his daughter and the way he called out God's name in vain it was so unnecessary while interviewing the Tibetan monk on the programme last weekend. I think he is utter filth and if he needs that for comedy he is not even a funny man. Give me Mario Rosenstock any day. He's a good clean comedian. Laugh. Laughter without filth. Uh, How do others uh, feel? As I say I've started to soften towards Tommy Tiernan. I think some of his interviews on that programme where he doesn't know the guests that are coming out so he can't prep for it. I think it's 
whoever came up with the idea, I think it's an ingenious idea for a concept for for an interview programme, for one-on-one interviews. It would be my worst nightmare to have to interview somebody that I didn't know because I'm the opposite. I'm old school. I have to research to within an inch of my life the people that come on to be uh, interviewed. But that's just, that's just the way that I am. So I have major respect for what he does. And I also like the fact of what he, because he doesn't know doesn't always know the person. And then when he does know the person, he certainly doesn't go for the obvious line of questioning. I mean, I thought the Nathan Carter interview, I've never seen Nathan Carter be interviewed like that or talk like that. The loneliness and the, and of course that is a side of that kind of life where you're on the road constantly and when you're gigging and you're, you know, you know, wherever you lay your hat, that's your home, sort of you're in hotel rooms and or sleeping on the back of a of a tour bus. It has to be a very lonely existence. And it doesn't get, we don't talk about it a lot. We talk about the highs of the career. What a great career he has. And sure, he's seen the world. Look at all the fans that he has. And I thought he brought out the very, I thought he brought out a side of Nathan Carter that needed to be exposed from Nathan's point of view, if, if nothing else. So, while Tommy has offended me in the past, I disagree with you on the programme. Now, that's just and that's my opinion. And of course, you're entitled to your opinion. And thank you for it. And there would probably be a whole host of people who would agree with you and completely disagree with me. But I like it. I, I do like it. And I, and I make a point of, of watching it. And if I don't watch it, I record it and watch it afterwards. 1850 Your thoughts and comments are, are always welcomed. John Paul, taking the cause. Text or WhatsApp 86 to 103 103 and we are looking for questions for Annalise please our nutritional therapist you can call you can text or WhatsApp With Cork County Council supporting businesses supporting communities serving Cork visit corkcoco.ie Tomorrow, the Mallow College of Further Education are hosting their annual Open Day. It'll kick off at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning and it runs through until 6 in the evening. All are welcome. Annam Cara in Cork are presenting a parent support evening. That's on in the Clayton Hotel on Wednesday at 20 past 7. While the Kinsale Men's Shed will host a talk by the Mary Keating Foundation, Your Health, Your Choice. That's on Wednesday, 8 o'clock in the Glen in Kinsale. The entrance fee is five euro and refreshments will be served. Francis Curtin will present the next music room in the Pierce Memorial Hall in Bohabui on this Thursday. Eight o'clock start, all are welcome. And the Mallow Daffodil Day Committee are hosting a fundraising coffee morning for the Irish Cancer Society. That's on this Friday night from 10am to 12 noon. It's in Hurley Centre in Mallow. Music and entertainment and you're pleased asked to support. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And a quick wrap up on some of your texts coming in. Thanks to Jared uh, who sent a WhatsApp in. Morning Patricia, we scammers. The topic is often featured on your programme. It is indeed. So I thought your listeners might be interested in Panorama on BBC One tonight. 
great. I absolutely love that programme. Anyway, Panorama tonight is an investigation on how some of these scammers work, including undercover footage. It's on at half past eight on BBC One, says Gerard. Thank you for alerting us to that, uh, Gerard. The people, oh, some people uh, talking about the interview that I did with Councillor Bernard Moynihan earlier on, where he was saying he wants all of the, and he reckons he's got the backing of all the North Cork councillors to come together and put a plan in place. We know that there's talk of Cork, we know there are talk, there is talk of Cork getting a new elective hospital who do all the elective procedures like the cataracts, the hip surgeries, the knee surgeries. And Bernard and other North Cork councillors want to put forward the idea of why not have that new elective hospital, have it on the grounds of Mallow General Hospital and talking about, you know, how central it would be and it would be very easy for people in the city to come out and to access uh, the hospital. A listener says, Patricia, listened with interest to Councillor Bernard Moynihan about locating the proposed new hospital in Mallow Hospital, Mallow General Hospital grounds. It makes perfect sense, everything that he said and uh, it would also be very attractive for Kerry patients. Short, direct train journey with services every two hours with no hold-ups. It would be a dream for Kerry listeners, says a Killarney listener. Thank you for that. Um, Someone else, I agree with Councillor Moynihan. The same mistake cannot be made like the Children's Hospital in Dublin. Mallow would be perfect for that hospital. Look at its accessibility for Johalo and indeed for West Cork, says Margaret. It would be a terrific idea. Hi Patricia, after watching the TV for the cyclists and cycling safely, you know the ad that's running at the moment, I want I wonder at times who comes up with the concept and actually makes these ads. Where are the cars meant to go when the cyclist jumps off and says, you know, you're meant to be this distance if you're on uh, a road uh, with, I think it's less than 80 kilometres, isn't it? And on roads over 100 kilometres, you've got to give this and the hands are all the way out. Anyway, the sister says, where are they, where are they meant to go? I was cycling at the weekend and I saw four cyclists all dressed in black and cycling on a road that was even too dangerous for a car to be driving on. Those ads should be scrapped. They are a joke and a complete waste of time. And thank you to John from Blackpool. John from Blackpool contacted us last week because he thought that his council house and he thought that the council should give him a fire extinguisher and he tried to get one and we looked into it and lots of people came on and said no if you get a council house you're entitled to a fire blanket I think a lot of people said but you're certainly not entitled to a fire extinguisher and uh, he wanted so people were saying John should go out and buy his own fire extinguisher and then he got back to us saying where would I get one and I was saying go into a hardware store they certainly should if they don't have one they'll be able to direct you well he's contacted me this morning to say Patricia just to let you and your other listeners go no regarding my fire extinguisher I purchased one at the weekend well done John and hopefully you'll never have to use it but you'll rest easier knowing that you have a fire extinguisher in the house and I think that was the whole uh, idea and the reason that, that he wanted one in and very finally, could you please advertise the Colosse de Trasta Transition Year Musical, East High School Musical. East High School Musical is on in the Indelquin Hall in Canturk this Thursday, Friday and Saturday, half past seven. Tickets are available from Colosse de Trasta, Trasta office and please support the uh, students who no doubt are having I've had great fun putting that show together and it's on Thursday, Friday and Saturday in the Delquin Hall in Canturk. OK, I'm going to take a break. We have Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist, joining us next. If you have a question for Annalise, get it in please. 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. 
Cork Today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie is one of the world's most popular performers. Selling over 150 million records. With 33 top 40 hits. And 23 Grammy nominations. Now, see him live in New York VIP style. With C103. To Billy Joel in the Big Apple. Madison Square Garden on May 2nd. Stay listening to C103. Then text or WhatsApp every time Billy Joel plays. For your chance to get in the grand final. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Billy Joel in the Big Apple. With AmigoLoans.ie. On Cork's greatest hits, C103. Annalise Drussell, a nutritional therapist from the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic, uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. Okay, coronavirus. Talk to us about the coronavirus and what do we, because uh, there's a sense of panic out there as well. What do we need to most keep in mind about the coronavirus? So I think probably the most thing to keep in mind, Patricia, is that there's a very, very, very small chance of dying from the coronavirus. Okay. Um, it is really, there's been little, there's been no children under the age of 10 have, have died from the coronavirus. In fact, most people who get it are over 10. So babies and Young children seem to have a natural immunity to it. Um, if you are in your, anything between really the ages of, you know, babyhood and about up to 50s, you've only got about a 1.3% chance of dying from it. Um, now, it does rise as you get older, but still there's only a 3.5% risk in your 60s, 8% in your 70s, and um, then it gets higher in your 80s. And the main reason is because the older you get, the more likely it is that you have other diseases. 
So the symptoms of the corona are not like a cold. So if you've got a stuffy head and a runny nose, don't worry, it's probably just the common cold. So the coronavirus, you'll get a fever, a high fever and a cough and it, you can have trouble breathing and that's in the more severe cases. To be honest, most people that are testing positive corona, they don't even really know they have it. The symptoms are so mild. So it's it's not um, it's not as bad as, as people think, you know, if you if you do contract coronavirus, it's unlikely you'll be in bed for longer than two or three days and it's the highest likelihood that you'll you've a great chance of survival. It's highly unlikely you'll you'll die from it. And that's the main thing to think about really is that it's it's not going to be fatal if you even if you do get coronavirus. Okay, and the hand washing I keep because it's it's droplet, it isn't airborne, it's droplet. Yeah, exactly. So, and I mean, people are panicking as well that there's no masks left. But I mean, they've they've said that the masks don't prevent you from getting it. The only time a mask will help is if you have it. It'll prevent you from spreading it. So it is droplet. Um, you need to be within a seven foot radius of the person to be have any chance of being infected. But what's likely is that, you see, the symptoms don't seem to appear in some cases for a couple of weeks, even, Patricia. Most people who get infected might get symptoms at around day five but some people longer so it's likely that maybe if they sneeze or anything that they and then it goes on their hand that they'll touch a surface and that's where other people are picking it up so i think that's the the key is just keep your hands clean and uh, washing a lot i know a lot of people are panicking about the hand sanitizer so i've put a recipe up on my facebook page health hub store is the facebook page um, how to make your own hand sanitizer at home, and it's really easy. But washing your hands is just as effective. So if you've been out and about and you're touching unfamiliar surfaces, wash your hands before you, and just stop touching your face. You know, don't be at your hair, don't be at your face, keep your hands away from your face, and that's the best chance of avoiding it. Okay, let's get straight into questions from listeners, please. Hi, I asked this last week and I'm back in again hoping it gets answered this week. Thinning eyebrows for a lady in her 60s. Uh, would Annalise have any remedies for it? So, okay, so thinning eyebrows can be a sign and a symptom of low thyroid function. So it might be um, good to get that checked out, particularly if the eyebrows are thinning towards the outer sides. Okay. Um, and if... And Thinning hair as well on the head is often a symptom of low thyroid. So get that checked out. Um, Something called castor oil can be really good for hair and eyelashes and eyebrows in particular. So you'll get castor oil in a health shop and you just rub it in. So rub it in at night going to bed. And I have a lot of the young girls that want their eyelashes to grow, buy it from the shop here. It's a very popular one and they all swear that it works. So you could try that. It's spelled C-A-S-T-O-R, castor oil. And before, I think, Patricia, in the olden days, it would have been given as a dose for a laxative. <laughs> yeah. 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 And a horrible taste. Horrible taste. Yeah. yeah. OK. Well, if it works, you don't mind that. Absolutely. Hi, Annalise. Hope you had a nice weekend. I've been having tummy problems for about nine months now. I eliminated the usual culprit, sweet dairy fructose, and I've seen very little improvement, if any at all. My current nutrition ad- advice was that I could have SIBO, small intestine bacteria overgrowth. I was advised to see a doctor for antibiotics, but I'm slow to take antibiotics of any kind. I would really appreciate your thoughts and maybe natural remedies on this. And the natural way of treating this, Patricia, is very nice as well because it doesn't just work on the small intestine. If there are an imbalance of bacteria lower down in the colon, it'll treat with those as well. 
So small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, they thought for years that the small intestine had no bacteria in there. But there are bacteria up there, but in very small numbers. And if that, those numbers overgrow, even the healthy bacteria, if those numbers grow to higher levels, they can cause a lot of symptoms. Um, the typical ones would be like bloating, pain after eating, um, a feeling of trapped gas and trapped wind, um, pain on eating, nausea. They would be typical symptoms of, of SIBO. So using a product... Um, that has got some natural antibacterials and fungus. Now, I use a fantastic one for my clinic patients. So if you're working with a nutritionist, um, they may be able to get one by a company called Nutri-Advanced, and it's called Candex SIBO. So it's specifically for SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Um, so try that. But if you can't, you're looking for a supplement that has things in there like black walnut, clove, um, caprylic acid is another thing as well that's very good. Garlic is excellent. Um, grapefruit seed extract, all of these very good antibacterial, antifungals. So a health shop will have probably, a, a, like BioCare do, a number of different brands that would be very good for that. There is another one called Dida, D-I-D-A, that people often use to treat the candida yeast, but it'll work for SIBO as well. So your local health shop would be able to help you there. Okay. Hi, Annalise. Um, I have high potassium in my blood. Any remedies, please? So that's an interesting one, actually, Patricia, because low or high potassium can potentially be dangerous. So I presume it's not too dangerous in this case. And generally, it's a liver issue if it's not a dietary issue. The first thing I'd say is maybe have a look and see in your diet if you're taking any supplements, would there be potassium in those supplements unknowns to you? Um, And then I suppose really it's about making sure that the kidneys are functioning because your kidneys would naturally help keep potassium balanced in the body. So things that are very good for kidneys, like spilanthus is wonderful. It's a herb. Um, Dr. Vogel do a tincture of spilanthus. It's spelled S-P-I-L-A-N-T-H-U-S. That might work well to support the kidneys. Um, what else? I'm trying to think now. Bladder rack. Actually, Dr. Dealish Clare does a lovely bladder tea and a bladder herb blend that um, would be very good for supporting the, the, the health of the kidneys and, and, and excreting all of the um, excess minerals. So her bladder blend is called Cystone, C-Y-S-T-O-N-E. And that has a number of different herbs that would help get the kidney working well. So I think that's the best approach there. But definitely check supplements. Maybe, um, you know, if you're using sports supplements, have a look and make sure that they're not high in potassium. OK, there's three texts come in from three different listeners all almost at the same time all to do with reflux uh, one to sign it is any cure for very bad reflux and listen to this reflux story Annalise what's the best advice for acid reflux I'm on tablets but to be honest uh, I don't think they're helping very much about every two weeks I can get a really bad dose I'll end up being sick for about two days I can't even drink I end up being really dizzy with it and somebody else says I'm a 48 year old man and my fo- food seems to lodge around the top of my stomach with a blocked feeling and then I end up getting acid reflux. What can I do to relieve the symptoms? Okay, so acid reflux, Patricia, could be down to a number of different things. Um, There is such a thing as too much stomach acid and also too little stomach acid. So too much stomach acid will obviously give you the feeling of acid reflux and heartburn. But too little stomach acid can do it as well. That would be maybe more likely in the case of the gentleman who feels his food is stuck there. 
we need a good, strong, healthy stomach acid to be released when we're digesting our food, particularly for proteins, because the enzymes that digest proteins are not activated unless there's a strong, healthy stomach acid. So there's a way of kind of testing that um, at home, a very unscientific way, but it'll give you an indication, and that is to drink bread soda. And if you don't burp within two minutes of drinking a glass of water with bread soda in it, it's probably low stomach acid. And if you burp very quickly and very very loudly and very strongly, then it's probably more likely you have too much stomach acid. One of the problems is that that little valve at the top of the stomach called the sphincter valve, the sphincter muscle, sorry, that actually can become weak from caffeine, stress, smoking cigarettes. They're all things um, that will weaken that muscle. So a supplement called zinc carnosin, it's spelled zinc, Z-I-N-C, and then carnosin, C-A-R-N-O-Z-I-N. That's very good for kind of strengthening up that muscle there. But also the zinc in that is lovely for the health of the mucus-producing cells in the gut. And these cells produce a nice big thick layer of mucus and they protect the stomach lining from the acid because when that's exposed, you get that very raw, sicky feeling. So the zinc carnison will help with that. And then one of my favorite herbs is the slippery elm. So slippery elm comes from a tree. It's a very mucilage-like substance. You can buy it in capsules or powder. And what that does, you take it before you eat and it coats the entire esophagus and stomach with that gloopy mucilage and protects it from stomach acid once it's being released when you eat. Um, It's also very good for healing. So that's a lovely one. And I think for the first lady who says she only gets it every two weeks, I would probably take a spoon of um, the the slippery elm before every meal as a preventative. Um, so she could do it before her main meal, which would be the biggest meal of the day, um, and do that once a day as a preventative. So she can either buy it in a capsule form or take it as a powder and she'll get it in any health, health shop. Okay, Maris, is eating oat porridge good for somebody prone to high cholesterol? Was he afraid would it raise it? No, actually, now, well, it's interesting. There's, there could be a yes and a no answer to that, Patricia. So the, the yes answer is that there is a school of thought that thinks that people shouldn't eat grains because it raises very quickly triglycerides in the blood and triglycerides will drive, can drive cholesterol up. Um, I'm not a believer of that. I think oats are a wonderful food. Um, you need to get, make sure that they're not too processed. So try and get the jumbo oats because the ones like the Ready Brex, they've actually been processed so much, they will raise your blood sugar very quickly. But the nice thing about oats is that they have, they're very high in a soluble fibre and soluble fibre is great to trap cholesterol and help the body get rid of it. So from that perspective, they're very healthy. They're full of other fibre as well to keep you regular and they're also very high in beta-glucans, which are wonderful for the immune system. So porridge really is a superfood, I think. Okay, hi, where am I going next? Uh, sorry, uh, the text, there's just so many coming in, it's jumping in front of me. Okay, hi, I'm wondering, any natural remedies to treat panic attacks at Snorian in Cork City? Yes, there's a couple, Patricia. Um, so the, there's the, the one that I have, I have probably seen the best success with is the cannabis oil, the CBD oil. Um, it's really, really good for anxiety for a lot of people. Um, I'd make sure that you're getting a good brand because there's a lot of them on the marketplace and try and get one that just doesn't have just CBD in there because um, what I find very interesting, I stock one that I think is a very good quality one called Cannabi Gold. And what I think is very interesting, Patricia, is that there's a 5, 10 and 15%. And the 10% seems to work a lot better for children with ADHD and that are on the autistic spectrum. And when I looked into it, it's actually much higher in CBDA, a different type of the cannabinoid, 
is higher in that one than it is in the others. So that seems to be very calming. So I suggest if she could get her hands on the Canabai Gold 10%, it seems to work the best for calming. Other things that are very good um, would be things like L-theanine is good for calm and focus. And the cannabis oil and the L-theanine, they work very quickly, Patricia. So if you feel the stress starting to build, you can take it then preventatively and hope that it'll prevent a panic attack. Some people then will swear by things like, you know, lavender for calming. Um, There's lots of other ones as well that can help, like lemon balm. Magnesium is very good for general stress. The B vitamins, if you're prone to getting anxious are very good to support the nervous system. So taking those every day would be good preventative. But L-theanine and the cannabis oil um, on a day where you're feeling stressed. Give give it a try because lots of people are really uh, swearing by it. Uh, Hi, Elodies. Is taking too much vitamin 12 dangerous? Vitamin B12 Uh, dangerous? Very hard to get it in in the amounts where it would be dangerous. But yes, eventually it would be. um, But it'd be almost impossible to overdose. It's water-soluble. So generally what we don't use, we excrete. Um, And it's like I would sell a very high dose of it here in the shop for people that tend to be low in it. And no one has ever had any side effects of that. So it's not a worry. Okay, all right, we'll leave it there. Listen, thank you for that. And thanks uh, thanks, uh, for joining us. That is uh, Annalise Drassel of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic. And Annalise will be back answering all of your questions again next week. And our apologies if we didn't get to all of your questions today. Uh, We always seem to run out of time. Okay, Uh, how am I time-wise? Okay, just let me give a quick um, shout-out here to some questions that have come in to us are some comments that have come in okay particularly on Tommy Tiernan when I mentioned Tommy Tiernan and how people feel about Tommy Tiernan mixed views of uh, Tommy Tiernan the programme with Ted and Cathy Walsh what a laugh says John that was a great interview Um, I have nothing but disrespect for Tommy Tiernan says Madge hi Patricia I love the Tommy Tiernan show on Saturday night's evil Michael D our president appeared on it it's after the watershed it doesn't, doesn't have as much bad language it's Mrs Brown's Boys does I think it's a programme that should be on all year round and Sandy says like yourself I was a rather lukewarm spectator of Tommy Tiernan and would only reluctantly go to his shows however he does an almost faultless job on this particular series Uh, his reactions may not be PC but it brings out the very best in his guests Okay, thank you for that that's where I leave you for today thanks to John Paul McNamara and Nick Witcher for the afternoon talk to you tomorrow at 10 Court today on C103 with a solid fuel deck at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven-day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie Make C103 part of your drive home with up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from four to seven. On C103. C103 and the Marketing Institute monthly event will take place on March 3rd. Serial entrepreneur Andrew Jenkinson, director and co-founder of Vstream, will discuss delivering your consumer an immersive brand experience through artificial and virtual reality. Register now at mii.ie. Don't miss the March marketing event Tuesday the 3rd at 6pm in the Johnson & Parrott Jaguar Land Rover showroom with the Marketing Institute of Ireland Cork, The Echo and C103. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.